This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. It's showtime. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with the CTO, Michael Remus, and we are ready for another jam-packed edition of WST Daily. What's going on? Great to have everybody with us. As always, we are brought to you by our wonderful team of sponsors, Not Autocorp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and our gaming partner, Cool Bet Canada. Ooh, we got a big show coming up. Thursdays, you know what that means on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We welcome in one of the dynamic duo of Kenny and Rennie. Last week, it was Kenny. Today, it's Rennie. Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet joins us to talk about the jet sweep of the Edmonton Oilers, a look ahead to round two, as well as everything else going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we're going to do that a little bit later with Rennie today because another very special guest joins the program live today, Jets center Mark Shifley, coming up with us in eh, 20, 25 minutes or so coming up, so make sure you stick around for that. Um, great to see how many people are with us right off of the uh, right off the bat today. Shout out to many of our regulars. I see Tracy, Miller Time, 980, Road Rockets, um, the uh, James Robinson's always with us, Mark Robitaille. What up, Jet Oil Tom? Good to see you here as well. And um, we saw a, um, I'm just looking at a, uh, Navdeep said, uh, our newbies welcome. Damn right newbies are welcome. We've been growing like crazy over the last little while. And to any people that haven't joined us before, welcome. This is where it's at. This is the place to be. One o'clock on YouTube every day, Monday to Friday, talking all things Jets, Winnipeg sports, and of course, all the other big stories around the sports world. So um, we are locked and loaded today. Mark Shifley, Sean Reynolds coming up. And without further ado, we bring in the man himself, Michael Remus. Remo, what's going on? How you doing? Let me just make my entrance. Oh, there you huge, go. huge transition. Huge, huge, huge entrance. Transition. I'm, huge entrance, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm still basking in this jet sweep as we begin to wrap up the first round. That's all you can really do. Um, so, yeah, I know we had some good games. Three games yesterday. We were kind of hoping for at least one game seven, and we got one. Minnesota beating Vegas. I think that those were our picks. I think we had said, I mean, all the home teams won yesterday. The Islanders took it. Uh, the Lightning was my pick for the one team. They took it as well. And I said Minnesota would be the one to force a game seven. So unfortunately, I didn't do a parlay of all the home teams yesterday. But if you did, uh, you probably did well. No, probably you would have done well. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're just kind of counting down. There's some baseball on this afternoon. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, there's some baseball, right? For any yeah. of you on Twitter, um, if you go to my my feed at Hustlerama, I tweeted out one of the most bizarre plays I've seen, like maybe ever. Cubs are playing the Pirates. Javi Baez is up. There's two outs. He grounds to first. There's a runner on third that's running home. So Javi turns around, runs back towards home plate, trying to give the guy enough time. All they needed to do was go and tag the damn base. Well, Pirates first baseman decided not to do that. Finally threw it home too late, run scores, then they throw back to first. That's a wide throw, and Baez grounds out, gets an RBI, and ends up on second. This was a play, Remus, that you would expect to see in Little League baseball, um, and yet there it was in the major leagues today. Pretty funny highlight to get us going on the program today. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, check out Ch- Hustler's Twitter. I'm not going to post it on here, but 
Um, I love when Major League Baseball highlights remind me of my own men's slow pitch league, and you do see it occasionally, and that is one boneheaded play where, yes, if you're a first baseman and the runner decides to run back home for whatever reason, instead of just going to first, you can touch the bag. You don't have to chase him down and, um, and tag him. Uh, that was a bizarre. I've never seen that before. So, I only and there were two outs too. So we really could have just touched touch first. Oh, I can't. And the inning would have been over. Post game interviews about all of that afterwards. That should be uh, that should be quite yep. fun. Um, anyways, listen, we've got <laughs> lots to get to today. It's going to be a really fun show. We cannot wait to have Mark Scheifele on to talk about the uh, big win against the Edmonton Oilers and moving on. Obviously, we won't be able to talk about a matchup yet because we don't know who the Jets are playing. Although. It certainly looks quite likely that it could very well be the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Remo, just starting off, we've got a lot of things to talk about before we bring Mark Scheifele on. Um, the big news today revolving the Maple Leafs was not about tonight's game. It was about John Tavares being um, filmed skating at Maple Leaf Gar- at the ACC today. Um, and this is incredible that he's back on the ice. Now, listen, I, I, you know we're talking about a head injury here, so... I think it's just positive for Tavares that he is feeling well enough to get back on the ice and try some light skating. Actually looked pretty good. The one takeaway I had from this, which was quite interesting, and I I don't want to say for sure, I believe it was Chris Johnson of Sportsnet that reported shortly thereafterwards that in addition to the concussion, um, John Tavares suffered a knee injury when he was trying to kind of try to get up and then fell back. And that was something that I believe the quote was it would be around two weeks. So, the fact that he was looking as good as he did right now at least will give Leaf fans some uh, optimism and hope that the rehab can start and you know he'll be able to get back into the lineup uh, sooner as opposed to later. Um, there's the clip right there, Kristen Shilton putting that out. Um, if you're with us on YouTube right now, um, pretty amazing, Reem, to see Tavares back on after such an absolutely scary incident uh, in game number one of this series against the Toronto Maple Leafs just over a week ago. Yeah, when they said uh, out indefinitely, um, you know, you thought that would be, I don't know, some people were speculating the rest of the playoffs. You'd wonder when he would be able to get back on the ice. Um, I, yeah, I'm very, uh, very surprised. You know, you're happy to see that maybe it's not as bad as we all feared. We don't know. I haven't heard when he's going to be back, um, you know, in a game. But just being on the ice after that kind of injury, that was uh, very scary and uh, clearly, I think, traumatic for some of the players to watch and fans as well. I mean, the image of him getting picked up and then falling down while um, unconscious, something you'd never want to see. And, uh, you know, they replayed the injury, you know, the incident where he managed to Corey Perry's shin like many times or where, you know, he fell and Corey Perry's shin hit him, you know, however you want to describe it. We know what happened. Um, very scary. So uh, definitely positive news for, uh, you know, Taveras and, and uh, you know, the Leafs all around. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk Toronto-Montreal in a minute, either before we bring on Mark Scheifele or a little bit later on when we get to our cool bet lines for tonight's game. We've got two games tonight, both potential elimination games. Uh, but let's get to last night, and it started off with the 5:30 game, Remus, and Pittsburgh looked good. They were ready to play. Uh, they went up one nothing. Islanders tied at 1-1. They went up 2-1. Islanders tied at 2-2. They went up 3-2. And then the dam broke on Tristan Jerry. Um, One of the more miserable goaltending performances you'll see in the Stanley Cup playoffs, certainly as of late. And 
I mean, the guy couldn't even mix in a save. And, you know, they went to the third period. It was 5-3. They battled hard, but they weren't able to score on the Islanders. And then with four and a half minutes left, a double high-sticking minor put them shorthanded and pretty much ended it for uh, for the Penguins. And I tweeted this out last night as Jari was letting in all those goals. I would pay big money. I would have paid big money last night, Reem, for a Brian Burke camera just to see how Berkey was handling uh, the uh, <laughs> the complete collapse of his goaltender with a team that still was fighting hard and playing quite well. I mean, it's just a massive, massive disappointment again for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is the second straight time in the playoffs. We won't even talk about last year's disappointment in the bubble against Montreal. But two straight times, Barry Trotz has taken an underdog Islanders team and got over on the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, I saw some uh, great stats uh, about the Islanders and about Barry Trotz just on tw- on Twitter. Spinorama Hockey says they've won four straight playoff series since hiring uh, Barry Trotz in 2018. The Capitals haven't even won one. Um, oh, sorry, four playoff series, not four straight. That doesn't make sense. But four, yeah, and that would like, involve another ring. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a second, that, that that I I added in straight. He did not tweet that. And then Nick Alberga on Twitter says, since Tavares left for greener pastures, the Isles have won five series in three seasons. So uh, Barry Trot. I mean, why did now I'm thinking back, like why did Washington not retain him as head coach? They didn't want to. Is it because they didn't want to pay him? And they it's, just thought they could put anyone in there and and win. It's a terrible, it's a terrible decision that will probably haunt them for a while. In that, um, like this is the thing. I don't. They didn't expect to win the cup, and mm. it sounded like they had already made the decision that at the end of that year they were going to move on from Barry Trost to Todd Reardon, and then they won the cup. And you know, I think they kind of went back, and Barry was in a situation where, well, listen, I'm going to be a free agent having just won the cup, having one of the best resumes in all of hockey, finally getting to the top of the mountain. You know, if you want to keep me, it's going to it's going to cost a premium like the top coaches in the National Hockey League, uh, you know, get. And it didn't seem like Ted Leonsis was interested in paying it or Brian McClellan or whatever and they allowed him to uh, to walk and you know, Washington's loss with the Islanders gain. Lou Lamarillo signed him to a deal and you know, I think back to all the doom and gloom about Tavares leaving New York and, you know, what that was going to do to the franchise. I mean, if anything, it galvanized it the, the team, the players that were remaining, the fan base. My God, Remus, the, the scene last night at the Coliseum was, uh, was incredible. And, you know, it maybe hits harder here for us considering what we're going right now here in Winnipeg and Manitoba with the virus. But... I'll tell you what, it does give you a glimmer of hope that brighter days are ahead because even with only 9,000 fans in the building, that was absolutely nuts. They started off by singing happy birthday to Barzal in his first shift. They chanted all night long, and then they gathered in the streets afterwards to sing um, whatever, Barry, uh, was Barry Manilow songs or something like that? that- was, uh, or no, Neil Diamond, Neil Diamond. I don't know why I'm mixing up Barry Manilow and Neil Diamond. But um, anyways, it was just a great scene. And to me, this all comes back to Barry Trotz, who pound for pound, I still think is the best coach in the National Hockey League. I, I don't know you could make the argument that there's any guy consistently year after year that squeezes more out of the talent on his team than Barry Trotz on the island. Yeah, I can't um 
I can't make an argument. I mean, remember hitting Nashville teams having so much success. As you said, a Washington team that, I mean, they really, you know, they had been, you know, favorites for so long and disappointed. And it's like the time that they're not the favorite, they finally yeah. take it. It's to, right when everyone gave up on them. Everyone yeah. was done betting I, I on was them. Done. Everyone was done finishing them. No, they're done for sure. And then they finally yeah. do it. It's uh, <laughs> And then, yeah, they uh, let him go. how that works. And so um, at- I'm pumped for Barry Trotz, though. He is... Um, He's a guy. He's uh, been a, a huge supporter of hockey in this province. Um, he's done so many things for Hockey Manitoba. Um, we all know his backstory coming through the ranks, earning his way up. And um, anyways, shout out to the Islanders for getting it done, and shout out to Islanders fans for um, having so much fun last night bouncing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Here's my question for you, though, Reem, with the new um, new management in Pittsburgh taking over during the uh, off the midseason change. What does another playoff disappointment do for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, this is a core that's been together for the better part of the last decade plus. It's hard to imagine them. I mean, Sidney Crosby's not going anywhere. I still have a hard time believing, even though we've heard his name over the last few years, that Evgeny Malkin might be on the move. Um, but. I mean that those really are those guys, and then you look at the rest of the club. You know, Latang's got a big number. Uh, they acquired Jeff Carter. Um, you've got guys like Brian Rust and Jake Gensel in there. I mean, Pittsburgh certainly when Rutherford was there, they were never ever afraid to swing for the fences and make big trades. Um, Going to be very interesting to see how this new regime handles another bitter pill to swallow in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, I almost forgot that they lost to Montreal in the first round. That's uh, you know pretty disappointing. You look at their salary; they don't have a lot of guys coming off the books. They spent a lot of draft assets to bring in some of these guys. Uh, I know I saw some people on Twitter, you know, speculating, "Hey, is this Crosby and Malkin's last game together?" Malkin. Um, his, you know, next year is his final year, and then he's a UFA. He's making nine point five million. He's definitely struggled with health. I mean, do they trade him? Is someone going to take on that salary? I mean, I guess you, with a player like that, you you want to. But I know he was start. He started off really, really slow. I don't know if it was because of the layoff or or what. But um, yeah, Pittsburgh definitely on the. Uh, I think we. I think a couple years ago we thought they were on the downslide. You know, then they uh, ended up winning what back to back cups. <laughs> so, yeah, oh yeah that <laughs> I forgot I forgot about that <laughs> but I think we're a couple years removed from that and they've been trying to hang on Jim Rutherford was doing whatever he can trading uh, you know draft picks I remember Casper Kapanen uh, Zucker the first pick every year yeah like he, I don't think they picked in the first round for five or six years <laughs> yeah so I mean good times got to run out at some point I mean it took a while for uh, it happened to Detroit I don't think Pittsburgh's there yet but maybe they're not uh, the cup favorite you know, like we are uh, used to them being. Um, by the way, thank you, Dom Zappia. And shout out to the Zappia boys, always here supporting us, Illegal Curve, Kenny and Rennie. Um, yes, I think I screwed up that twice. Originally, I said, what, Barry Manilow? And then I went to Neil Diamond. In fact, it is Billy Joel, and I believe it's Keanu <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> so. Does Billy Joel have a banner? Doesn't he have a banner in the Coliseum? <laughs> Am I making that up? Uh, or is that MSG? Might. Uh, I don't know. the bo- Where did they put the Bon Jovi banner up? That was in Toronto. And I think there's a Garth <laughs> Brooks banner up in Edmonton, or there was at least. Okay, Billy Joel has a banner. Hold on. Oh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. 33 sold out shows. He's got a banner. <laughs> there's no banner in Bell MTS Place for any uh, any acts, is there? 
No, we. I, I think don't we. Think... I think we need one. Yeah. <laughs> who would it be? I don't know. Who would the Who would the Bell MTS Place uh, banner be? Well, you can you can let us know in the chat. Someone who yeah. sold out a lot of shows, like the most <laughs> shows. I know Garth Brooks like did a bunch in a row, but I don't think he's banner worthy. No offense to Garth Brooks. Uh, well, I think Garth Brooks probably does have the record. Yeah, he like, I think does. they did four straight sold out shows. I mean, there's not really. I mean, Garth was so popular at that point. I mean, it was just basically a cash printing press. Hey, yeah, well, if we're gonna fly there anyways. We may as do may as well do four shows <laughs> instead of one. Yeah, Mike Mike wins his Burton Cummings. He's already got a theater named after him. I don't does he, I don't think he needs a banner too. Although I did see Burton Cummings tweet out some support oh, uh, for the Bird's Jets. Bird's fired too. up. Bird's yeah, fired, fired up, up for the Jets. He did uh, he did drop a tweet. I'm is not it, sure how active he normally is on social media. I don't I didn't follow him. I don't still don't think I do, but um but mm-hmm. yeah, he was definitely fired up. All all the Winnipeg guys are getting ready. Oh, the hip. Yeah, you're right. You know what? If there ever was one, the tragically hip probably would be it. Didn't, They're definitely the what? sentimental favorites and man, they did a ton of shows in, uh, in 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 the peg, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think they were one of the first ones at um MTS uh, Center as well. Not the first, but I think one of the first. Hey, you know what? Yeah, uh, Rio, I was just going to say, before we get to these other series, I uh, do want to uh, just uh, mention a couple of our sponsors right now. And for everyone watching live on YouTube, check out the technological advancements we have here at Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Because as I normally tell you, and we begin the show thanking all of our sponsors, particularly not Autocorp, who was the first company on board the Winnipeg Sports Talk when we were just an idea. Uh, I always say, why not get into a great vehicle at an amazing price with the help of the Not Team? And you can now see what the Not Team does right here. Uh, not only, oh, look at that Tesla. Not only do they have incredible deals on all sorts of makes and models of vehicles, Red Star Technicians, Body Shop, they've got it all in one spot at Waverly and McGilvery. Um, and they'll also help you consign your vehicle if you're looking to get into a new one, but are in a lease or have a vehicle right now that you're looking to upgrade. Find out more, Waverly and McGilvery, or check them out online at not.ca. Man, that look good, Remus. Holy smokes. We are, we are taking it to the next level. Um, of course, Royal Sports as well is your playoff headquarters and your headquarters for all things sports. You can see the whiteout gear right there. Um, I got a ton in right now. And right now with the white Jets jersey or the amazing Jets Yeti mugs. And they are a Yeti um, uh, official Yeti store there with all the incredible camping mug. You get a free car flag as well this week up until the weekend. There's the flag. Let's see some of those flying around this city when all we can do is get into our cars, drive around and honk horns as opposed to get together. Royal Sports 650 Rally and EK, 750 Pemina Highway. And while you're in there, check out the camp. Camping gear, disc golf, bikes, a lot of things to uh, get active and outside right now as we go through a couple more weeks of shutdown. And yesterday, shout out to Remus for doing a great video of me dropping my knowledge of the pizza flights of Boston Pizza. This is a uh, another one, uh, as you can see. Uh, well, I did this yesterday, but we've got the Meteor, we've got the Spicy Pierogi Pizza, and the Bourbon Chicken, which has quickly become one of my favorites. Whichever ones you want, it's eighteen ninety nine. Three of the six-inch pizzas, three of the dips, um, and they pair well with Boston's famous wings. You can get that at the game day meal every night. Boston Pizza, we can't hit the lounge right now or the dining room with the family, but you can order for takeout or delivery. And can you do all that at bostonpizza.com. All right. 
Remo, in addition to the Islanders ending the Penguins season last night, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning got it done against the Florida Panthers. And I got to tell you, um, it, it, it is that must be so disappointing for the Panthers to have lost that series the way they did because, I mean, I thought that they played really well. They generated a ton of offense. And Tampa, for their part, wasn't too pleased, I think, with the way they played defensively. But when you are down to a rookie goaltender in his, what, third or fourth game in the National Hockey League after you've benched your $10 million franchise goalie as well as the backup who was really the backbone of much of your success this season and go to a youngster that's only been a professional for a couple weeks, you know you're up against it. And um, really, it'll probably look back as missed opportunities and not getting what they paid for in the net from Sergei Brabovsky as the reason why this series is over right now and not at least going to a deciding Game 7. Oh, yeah. When you're uh, shuffling through goalies, it's not going to go well for you. I don't think that's a recipe for success in the playoffs. And now you have to wonder, you know, they have Spencer Knight... What are you going to do with Bob and his massive contract going forward? But I just buyout Bob. That's that going to be his so new name. That is so much money. Oh my <laughs> god! But uh, I just you know I think the series. I said the Panthers were done. It was like what after game one, it was a close game, and then Braden Point scored the winner. Uh, you know, with like thirty seconds left, I was like, yeah, that's that's the series. They're not coming back. No offense to the Panthers. They had a great season. Uh, we're no longer calling Huberto and Barkov underrated. That is never happening again. Everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows that they're great players. Uh, they're banned from being called underrated. But um, Tampa, they're the defending champions for a reason. Uh, they're they're you know again a contender. So uh, you know it's a tough one for the Panthers. But uh, I think it seems like they're in good shape going forward. Other than you know what they're going to do at goalie. Well, they're in good yes. shape. They're in good shape, but that contract, the Bob contract, not that's the not Bob good. Contract shape. is brutal. I mean, what's what's a worse deal? The Flyers deal for Brzezgalov, which of course ended up in a buyout, or the Flyers dropping eight figures a year on Sergei Brabovsky. <laughs> I think it's 50-50 right now. The They're Panthers, both horrible. Yeah, but Bob is getting $10 million a year Ten. for one, two, <laughs> three, four, five more seasons, and you're getting yanked in the playoffs for the third string, you know, rookie <laughs> on the Min-Sal deal. They gave him, they gave him the, the first start out of respect. He got pulled. They yeah. go to Dreger. They go to Dreger. And then they just said, screw it. We're going to Spencer Knight, the rookie. I mean, you've got a le- – and listen, Dreger was an amazing story this year. And I think he has, you know, despite the fact the playoffs didn't go as well for him as he would have liked, and he did have a great opportunity coming in for Bob, um, he's certainly established himself as a legit National Hockey League goalie right now. And, you know, whether he ends up in a place like Edmonton or – I mean, he'll probably go in as a two, I would imagine. But I think he's shown that he can be a guy that you can ride for a little bit despite the fact of what happens. So yeah. congratulations to him well, on a great season. It, I mean, if you the thing is, though, if you go with, like, Bob and Dreger or Knight, I mean, both those guys are making men's salary. So your average goalie contract then is, like, five five million. So – or five and a half million. So you know when you put them together, it's not it's not terrible. It's not great. Well, it's still pretty bad. It's still I, pretty bad. But I'm just I saying, mean, as an average salary, you're paying for your two goalies is not. Listen, you can stomach five or six million for one, but for yeah. both, 
And then no, when yeah. you realize that one guy's making eight hundred grand and the other guy's making ten million and can't stay in the net, mm, not good, not good. But listen, the other big story last night, we talked about the teams that are moving on. There is a series that is moving on to Game 7. And, uh, Michael, you just cannot kill the Minnesota mm-hmm. Wild. Hands up. I don't know if anybody watched any of Game 5 because, of course, that was in the middle of the oh, Jets. No, I didn't watch time Classic. So, I mean, it didn't take me until later on in the day when I even remembered that that game was on. I went back and watched the highlights and saw what happened. Uh, but last night, another tight battle between Minnesota and Vegas goes 0-0 into the third period. Minnesota scores to go up one nothing, And then Vegas thinks they have the equalizer. Can we dial up a goalie interference challenge in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yes, we can. It goes in the favor of the home team. The Wild then score on the power play at another one and win in Game 7. Um, you knew at some point there'd be some very, very close goalie challenges. That was one last night. Didn't go in Vegas's way. And um, the Wild are still alive. One of the great stories of this season. And now are one win away from bouncing the favorite Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I watched that. I was watching the game last night. Uh, it was rocking at the XL Energy Center. They were pumping the music. Uh, people were having a good time, fired up. But that goalie interference, as you said, the challenge, uh, that was the turning point. Minnesota had the lead. You know, Vegas thinks that they score, and um, it gets called back goalie interference. Now, on the first look, I was like, oh, yeah, he's in the crease. It's interference. But the defender, I guess, made a smart play where he just kind of stood in front of the Vegas guy, and he couldn't move, and he was forced to interfere with Cam Talbot. I don't know. I'll say this, Tuck didn't really make too much of an effort to get out of the blue paint. Now, there was a defenseman there, I'm with it, and that is sort of the, you know, watch, uh, Craig Button, I thought, broke it down very well, is that, listen, if you go in there, you have to get out, and, you know, it's not really up to the defenseman to give you a clear path out unless, you know, they were pushing you in there, and he said, more often than not, that call is going to go against you. But what was interesting, Reem, I mean, for anyone that was on social media around that time, there were so many differing opinions from some pretty respected hockey voices as to whether or not that should or should not have been a goal. And uh, I'll tell you what, one job I don't think I'd like to have is being in charge of those video reviews because there's so much on the line. And in many cases, last night was a perfect example. You can make a pretty compelling compelling argument for both sides of the equation. Yeah, I... um... I don't envy anyone being an official. It's terrible. And I know um, from my experience being an umpire in slow pitch and refereeing my friends floor hockey, it was the absolute <laughs> worst. So I can't, I have total sympathy for any, any official, especially at a, uh, you know, national hockey league level. Um, you know, you go, no matter what call you make, someone's going to be angry with you there. I mean, this goalie interference, I think we've been trying to figure it out for 20 years. At least, or at least since video review came into play. So um, I think it could have gone either way. They called it no goal, but that was definitely the turning point. Minnesota gets the power play, and Kevin Fiala with his first of the series, they've been waiting for him to He's finally so wake good. up. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Like that trade, how good does that trade look right now for the Minnesota Wild? And listen, Granlund went back to, uh, you know, he re signed for a year, but he's pretty advanced in his career Kevin Fiala is a young star right now and you know it's sort of been overshadowed by just how brilliant Kaprizov was and my god was he incredible last night I mean I know they didn't he didn't score in the first couple periods but 
He did a couple between the legs, around the side moves. I mean, he creates things for himself. And um, he, all I could think about, Reem, when you look at the playoffs right now, knowing that the Jets are going to be back in the old neighborhood of the Central Division next year, I mean, think of these teams. Colorado is an absolute wagon. They're the Stanley Cup favorites. You've got the Jets playing well. They're back in the playoffs. You've got the um, Minnesota Wild, who have kind of emerged as you know a, a much better team than anyone remembers Minnesota as being before. Um, and you've got, of course, the Nashville Predators, who uh, you know are pushing the Carolina Hurricanes um, all the way. And then, of course, St. Louis was also in the playoffs, um, but they were dusted very quickly by the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, not that we need to spend much time talking about next year. But I'll tell you what, the uh, it's not like the Central Division's gotten any weaker during this strange year away playing against Canadian teams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be very, uh, very tough. I think Chicago had a surprising season. They were pretty close. St. Louis always competitive. Minnesota's looking much better, um, you know, with a lot of exciting young players who, you know, we didn't get to see this year. But I said Minnesota before. I was like, yeah, they're a long, they're, you know, they had a, had a long shot to win the cup, but, you know, I thought they could ha- they could upset them. I know uh, I followed Dom from The Athletic. He's been touting Minnesota all year, just, you know, bet, uh, betting on them and stuff. So I've kind of been paying close attention. So, yeah, three zip, uh, game seven against uh, Vegas, Friday night, 8 p.m. At least we got one game seven now. There is uh, two games tonight. One of them could force a game seven, Carolina, Nashville. The other one, Montreal, looking to force a game six against Toronto. Yeah. Okay. You know what? So listen, we'll get to those. Um, we'll get to those games tonight uh, a little bit later on. Um, in just a second, we're going to bring Mark Shifley onto the program. Really looking forward to that. Before we do that, got to give a big shout out to our friends Nick and Nikki in their DQ group, DQ Niverville, Northgate, Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Of course, dining isn't in right now. Drive-throughs are open in both Niverville and Northgate. You can order cakes online at DQ Manitoba. Or pop in for takeout, enjoy a blizzard, and get into uh, maybe the best summer treat around. And as I said, the drumstick one is the way to go. Um, Also want to give a shout out to Little Brown Jug. Oh, and by the way, at the end of the program today, we'll be doing another marble race for a gift card from the Little Brown Jug online store. But they have relaunched their website uh, and making it easier than ever before to buy Manitoba's best beer. Go to littlebrownjug.ca. And if you're thinking about hitting the Shelmerdine's Garden Center, you can order online and pick it up there on the weekend. Just simply select pick up at Shelmerdine's. They'll be there from 11 to 4 on Saturday and Sunday. More information available at littlebrownjug.ca. And again, we'll do a Little Brown Jug giveaway a little bit later on in the program. All right, let's uh, welcome in a very special guest on Winnipeg Sports Talk. First time in our new home we welcome in Winnipeg Jets center, Mark Shifley. Mark, thanks so much for doing this, and congratulations on the big uh, round one victory. How you doing? Doing good. Uh, it's good to be on with you guys. Hey, we uh, re- really appreciate you taking the time on it. Uh, how are you feeling right now? What have the last sort of, four, well, I guess we're not even at 48 hours right now, the last 40 or whatever hours since uh, since the final goal went in and you guys got a chance to uh, celebrate a four-game sweep in triple overtime? Yeah, honestly, the le- the legs didn't feel great <laughs> that day after. Um, you know, even the next day, I definitely didn't even feel like I was back to normal yet. But um, you know, today definitely feeling a little better. We practiced this morning, so it was nice to get a little bit of sweat on. But you know, the body was definitely a little shocked, and um, 
you know, it's, it's definitely nice to, to nice to have a few days off, but it was nice to, you know, have a good practice today, but um, the body was hurting for a few days there. Hey, you know what? I We had uh, Coach Maurice on yesterday, and I kind of finished up with this, but considering we're talking about the end of the series right off the bat, I'll ask you, um, what was it like, you know, in the room afterwards? I mean, I know you guys were fired up, but probably pretty exhausted as well from all the hockey that you played. Uh, when did you leave the rink? How long did it take you to get to sleep? And did you sleep in a lot later than you normally would after such a meat grinder of a hockey game in a series? Yeah, you know, obviously, I don't think I don't think that game ended till like one fifteen. I think I left the left the rink at I think around two thirty ish. And there was actually there were still there were actually fans outside right where we like pull out of the parking garage. There were still fans out there that late at night, um, you know, cheering us on, honking their horns and everything. So. That was obviously pretty cool to see, but that night I, I don't think I fell asleep till five thirty, and I like I tried hard to fall asleep, but um, you know I, I just couldn't. My legs were kind of throbbing, and you know I let you know usually we don't let Oliver sleep on the bed, but uh, since it was a big night and there was a big win, we let him sleep on the bed, and he kept on finding different ways to get in between my legs. So I'd like turn over and he'd like, he'd like wedge himself in between my knees. So then all of a sudden I'm like, I don't want to move because I don't want to wake him up. But, um, you know, but then all of a sudden, all of a sudden my legs would just continue to throb and seize up. And then I had, I had to move them. And, um, so that, that was, that wasn't the easiest, but I, I, I didn't really sleep in, sleep in much. I think I woke up at like 10 and couldn't really sleep anymore. But the next, the next night I slept for like 11 hours and it was probably one of the best sleeps of my life. Well earned, well earned after all that hockey. Um, have you ever played three straight overtime games before in, in like a playoff overtime games, which are a hell of a lot different than five minutes of three on three? No, never. That was that was a, a you know it might be one of a once in a lifetime experience, but um, you know it was it was fun. It was it was such a fun series. It was you know obviously a, a great ending to the series in Triple OT for Casey to win that one. So you know I know we were excited. We didn't have to go back to Edmonton because you know that would have been. A, it would have been tough to get up for a game uh, two days later. So we were definitely happy we won that one. And, um, you know, like I said before, the body's still recovering. But, um, you know, in, in no time, we'll, we'll be we'll be ready to play again. Well, and you guys have earned yourself some very valuable rest. We know how important that is right now in the grinder. That is the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Mark, I want to ask you, how would you describe this series overall? Because, you know, I think, listen, as I said to Coach Maurice yesterday, I mean, for 20, 30 years, Jets fans will be holding the fact that the Jets swept the Oilers in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But when you kind of dig in, I mean, these were four incredibly close games with a razor thin margin between winning and losing. Oh, yeah, it was it was it definitely didn't feel like a sweep. That's for sure. Um, you know, every game was so tight. Every game was, you know, a battle to the end. Obviously, you have three OT games. It, it means, you know, both teams are playing well and both teams are um you know, battling it out. You know, we obviously, you know, we were just happy that we were, we were able to win them. You know, it, it's such a fine line in, in overtime. You know, you can't, you know, you, you really, you know, you make any mistake and it, it, there's a chance of the game ending. So, um, you know, it was, it, it was a fun series, you know, it, you know, Edmonton played great, you know, every single game was, was, was a great game. It was tight. It was, it was a, a battle till the end. And, um, you know, it definitely, it definitely, it definitely didn't feel like a sweep. And, you know, I don't think we, we really considered a sweep because it was such a tight series, but, um, you know, obviously it's nice to, to have that happen and, um, you know, get a few days off to, to rest. 
Mark Shifley, the Winnipeg Jets with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Mark, you know, there's unique pressure that comes with the role of being a number one center on a playoff team. I mean, outside of the goaltender, um, you know, there's probably more pressure on you and especially your line at a regular time, never mind going up against, you know, two of the best players on the planet like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And much was made going into the playoffs of, you know, the regular season series, uh, as well as the, you know, the slump the team went into at the end of the year. Coach Maurice yesterday described it as a for- fortunate timing to go through that where, you know, some of the you know different aspects all sort of slumped at the same time. And it seemed like you guys really got back to uh, back to basics. How would you describe the way your team regrouped from a tough time at the end of the season and prepared to be um, really defensively as good as we've seen at all time with the most important challenge of Connor McDavid coming into Winnipeg? Yeah, it was a it was a really tough time. You know, no one no one ever likes going through those streaks, especially, um, you know, going into playoffs. But you know, I know we, we had a lot of conversations about it that, you know, we get through this, we're only going to come out stronger from, you know, on the, on the back end of it. So, you know, that's what we did. We continued to work hard. We continued to, um, you know, stick together and, and try to build something. And, you know, t- towards the end of the year, um, you know, that Calgary game, both the Vancouver games and the Toronto game, we started to feel it again. We started to to find our identity a little more. And, you know, we just kind of carried that into, into Edmonton. We knew it was going to be a tough series. We knew we had to, we had to defend really well to, to, you know, to contain, you know, Connor and Leon and, um, you know, the team did a great job at it. We, you know, everyone bought in, everyone sacrificed, you know, I think that, I think game four, I think we had like 47 block shots, um, you know, so, and that, that's what playoff hockey is. It's about, it's about buying in and it's about making those sacrifices for the team to, to win. And, you know, whatever that is, blocking a shot, taking a hit, making a hit, whatever it is, um, you know, every single guy was buying in and, you know, that's what you need in playoffs and that's where we're going to need again uh, in, in round two. Well, speaking of blocking shots, uh, what can you say about your line mate and captain Blake Wheeler, who uh, has one of the more notorious shot blocks in Jets playoff history? I think it's safe to say. Oh, for sure. You know, I don't think anyone wants to wants to block one, uh, you know, off the nets. <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he had a he had a funny line that you know he's already had three kids, so he he doesn't he doesn't need he doesn't need those anymore. Uh, so that was, a, that was a pretty funny comment, but you know, um, you know, that, that's just, that's just our captain. You know, he lays it on the line every single night. You know, he'd do that on a, on, you know, game 33 of the regular season. He's just that guy that, that, that lays it all on the line, you know, every single night. And, you know, we have a, we have a lot of those guys on our team, you know, every guy, you know, every guy sacrificed, every guy was, was battling till the end and was willing to, to give the extra, give that extra little bit of energy, you know, that extra block shot, you know, sticking out a toe, whatever it was to, to get the win. And, and, and that's what we needed to do against them. Cause they, you know, obviously their offense is pretty potent. So, um, you know, and uh, you know, we, we were going to need more of that, uh, you know, come whoever we play in round two. You know, there's tons of highlights to get to from the series, even though it was only four games and we have three OT winners to, to talk about, but um, you know, in addition to the OT winner, one of the more spectacular goals that'll end up on all the highlight reels at the end of the season was your tying goal in game four in the third period. I mean, about as beautiful a play between three line mates as you'll see with a world-class finish. Take us through that goal, how you saw it, and uh, how you felt after going top cheese and tying the game. Yeah, well, at the time, I, I kind of, I, like, I saw Wheels intercept it. Um, you know, obviously made an unbelievable move, and I kind of saw the move, and then I was kind of trying to get into space, and I was kind of actually, like, I kind of tripped over. I forget who I actually tripped over, but... I was kind of stumbling a little bit 
Um, and then I finally caught myself kind of as, as Casey got in the middle and I was like, Oh, I think like as soon as he took it, I thought he was going to, I had a feeling he was going to give it to me. So I just was getting ready and it was, you know, it was pretty much all those guys, you know, wheels made an unbelievable move, a great pass to KC and then KC to, to have the, you know, the poise and the patience and the, and the hands to take that puck and then make a perfect backhand pass to me was, was pretty special. And, um, you know, I was just the guy hitting the puck and, and, and happy it went in. So, you know, I, I give, I give all the credit to those two guys. Well, I mean, dude, it was an absolutely perfect shot. And I have to ask you, I mean, in a situation like that, I mean, you know, in, you know, with the speed of the NHL game, playing against a world-class goaltender like Mike Smith, uh, is it just a matter of pulling the trigger? Um, is it all instinct at that point? Or, I mean, are you actually trying to put it in a certain spot? Uh, it depends on, it depends on the shot. Sometimes if, it, if it's a quick play, you're trying to just get it off. Sometimes if you have a little, if that, that passes a little slower, you know, it depends on, you know, how that goal is moving over, um, you know, what his angles are like. So it kind of depends on the play. I'd say that one, that, that, that pass was coming a little slower. So I knew I need, I knew I needed to label it. It wasn't, it wasn't like my first goal of the game where I knew I just had to get it off quick and I knew the pass kind of beat, beat, uh, Mike Smith. So all I kind of had to do was hit it, but, um, it kind of depends. It depends on the situation. Sometimes you, some, sometimes you just got to not think and just hit it and just let it, let the, let the hockey gods take over. Um, but, um, you know, it's just one of those one of those plays that I was uh, you know, lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Hey, moving forward into round two. And again, we don't know who your opponent will be, so we won't get into that. But I'm interested in the you know, the, the we've talked a lot and heard you guys speak about the belief in each other in the team. And we certainly saw that in spades in round one. But when you go through three consecutive overtime games, the way that you did battling the way that you did and winning all three of them. What does that do for the psyche of a team that already seemed to have a pretty sense, strong, uh, pretty strong sense of belief in each other and what they can do? Well, I think I think you know when in you know some of the most intense you know you know you know a sudden death game you know you don't want to make a mistake you don't want to make you don't want to make one one mistake and the game be over so I think you know having that confidence in you know in our team in overtime is obviously big. Um, you know, I think it's something that we, you know, it's, it's all those experiences that you have to learn from, you know, as a, you know, as a player, you know, it only makes you stronger. It only makes you a better hockey player. And, um, you know, I think those experiences that we all had in those overtime games in that entire series has made us better. And, you know, I think now it's just a matter of, um, you know, now it's just a matter of, of learning from that and then taking it to the, the next series. Obviously it's going to be a very different series. It's going to be a different, um, it's going to be a different team. There's going to be a whole lot of different experiences, but I think we just have to keep that confidence in, in ourselves and in our team. And, and what makes, what makes us best is, uh, is what's going to, is what's going to bring us together. Hey, um, Hey, hey, Sean, if you could mute yourself here, we got Rennie coming in, in a, in a minute, or maybe you could do that Reem. Um, how much of a big part is, um, Connor Hellebuck in that confidence. <laughs> I mean, I imagine that you guys are believing yourselves, but having that last line of defense, a Vesna Trophy winner, a guy that's done what he's done for you over the course of his in- entire career, I-, I imagine that is, you know, even if you-, you do have a guy beat you or something, you always know that, you know, your last line of defense is as good as anyone's in the NHL. Oh, it- it's huge. When you have a goalie um, like Helly, you know, he, he's, he's the backbone of our team. You know, he, we, we have so much confidence in him. We know, we know what he brings every single night. And, um, you know, when you have a goalie like that, it's, it, it, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, it, it's proven this league, you need, you need your goaltenders to, to, 
to be there for you in, in the playoffs. And, and, you know, that first, that first series, he was, he was amazing. He made amazing saves over, over and over. And especially when you got, you know, Connor and Leon coming down on you, you gotta, you gotta be at your A game. And, you know, we, you know, we're very lucky to have Connor and, um, you know, I know he, I know he works so hard at it. And I think that's what, that's what I respect so much about him is that he works so hard. He's, he's so hard on himself. He wants to be the best and, and he, and he works so hard at it. And I think that's what, that's what makes him, him and what that was, that's what makes him tick. And, you know, that's why he's such a big leader on our team. Mark Scheifele of the Jets with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, a couple people wanted me to get to this with you. Um, you know, you have three consecutive overtime games. The second one is on the second end of the, sorry, the third one is on the second end of back-to-backs and you go to triple overtime. Take us inside the dressing room in between overtime one and overtime two, overtime two and overtime three. Uh, is it quiet in the dressing room or a lot of guys talking and are you eating anything? Like what, what happens in those 15 minutes where you have to get back out there in sudden death? Um, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, towards the end of it, there's a little more talking. I'd say at the beginning, some guys are just trying to, some guys are trying to eat food. Some guys are trying to just drink as much, um, you know, electrolyte drink or water or whatever, whatever they have, whatever they, whatever they like, but it's kind of everyone just trying to, trying to get, get enough energy to, to go back out there and, you know, you tape your stick, you untie your skates, whatever, whatever you do. But, um, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing that was said is, you know, who wants to be the hero, you know, who wants to be the guy that, um, you know, goes down in the history books is, you know, getting an overtime winner, you know, getting a over overtime winning clincher, like, you know, who wants to be that hero? I think that's always, you know, that's what we all dream of as kids. You know, whenever we were, whenever we were kids playing road hockey, every single kid, you know, dreamt of, you know, scoring the, you know, the overtime winner in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, um, you know, it, it brings you back to your, you know, humble beginnings as a, as a kid playing hockey. And I think that's, that's kind of the message that we try to, that we try to put out there is, is, you know, let's enjoy this. You know, it's overtime. It's what we all dream of. Let's not, let's not grip our sticks too tightly. Let's just go enjoy this and, and try to win this game. What do you eat? I mean, is it, we've heard pizza before. I mean, I'm sure that doesn't really, you don't think of that as like a health food or whatever, but, uh, or is it just what's ever available? Honestly, I, I'm not much of an eater during a game. It sits in my stomach and I kind of feel like crap if I do. Um, so I, I'm more of, I just drink water and electrolyte drinks and whatever I can get my hand on my hands on. And, uh, you know, I think, I think some guys will have like a banana. Some guys will have some like protein bars, you know, it's kind of just, Honestly, whatever, whatever's there, um, you know, guys kind of just try to stuff their faces and, um, you know, I'm more of a, just a drink of water guy and, you know, enjoy pizza after the game. <laughs> Survival of the fittest when everything's on the line. Mark, um, I, I have to ask you, everyone's saying, tell us about the goats. Are these like your new good luck charms, uh, for uh, you and the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, an interesting pet choice. And, uh, uh what, what are they up to right now? I can see them actually right now. They're just eating some eating some hay and some grass. So uh, <laughs> uh, if I if I were to open the door, you'd hear them. You'd hear them start screaming and calling for me. But uh, uh, honestly, they're they're fun. They're they're honestly just pets. You know, you don't they don't take much tending to. You know, you bring them hay or grass and, and water. You know, twice a day, and 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 that's about it. So they're they're honestly just pets. They're they're fun. They're they have good personalities. Um, you know, Tiger's a little more of a rambunctious little guy and Tom's a little more reserved. So honestly, they're, they're just kind of pets. And, um, you know, once a day, usually we'll take them outside and let them, you know, graze on the grass outside or whatever. And it, honestly, they're, 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 they're literally just pets and, um, you know, just a fun little thing to, to occupy our time with. 
What's the dynamic with Oliver the dog? Do they try to squeeze in the bed too, or they get jealous that uh, Ollie got the, uh, the 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 series winning sleep in the king bed? I think they I think they do get a little jealous that they that we have to lock them in their pen, and and Oliver gets to walk upstairs and and uh, and go to bed with us. So um, you know, but the, actually, when we first got him, I could tell that Oliver felt like he was a little neglected once in a while. Like you know, I'd go outside and you know bring them hay and grass and water or whatever, and Oliver would be would be at the door like staring at me like like Dad, what are you doing? Like like am I not your best friend anymore? Um, <laughs> But now, now he realizes. I think now he realizes that he's the he's the favorite child. So um, you know he uh, he, he enjoys it. He, he he starts to play with them a little better now. Like yesterday, he was chasing them around the around the yard, and they were having a ball. So um, you know it, it was hilarious. Uh, Mark, listen, can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to join us. And I will tell you, um, you know, since everything happened with TSN, we've only been doing this for I don't know ten weeks or so. Um, um, you know, you coming on is a big boost to us, so we really do appreciate and thank Scott for it. But I will tell you that we have had three of your teammates on this program since we started. Two of them already have OT winners in this in the playoffs, so we've got a nice little Winnipeg sports talk bump. So I can tell you that if it goes to OT, there'll be a lot of people in the chat putting in fifty five on their uh, on their overtime pools. So uh, we wish you luck. Hopefully, this can continue. And uh, obviously, on behalf of everyone that's with us here on the show today, congratulations on the big win in round one. And uh, we'll look forward to hopefully a great series in round two and continued success to you and the squad. Awesome! I really really appreciate it and hope you guys have a great day. All right on. Thanks so much, Mark. There he is, Mark Scheifley, Winnipeg Jets, moving on to round number two. Great chat, hitting overtime, the season, and of course, the GOATs. Um, and oh, I have to apologize. I see Evan. <laughs> I see Evan. Thanks very much for the super chat. Show the goats. I know he was on a laptop or uh, on a computer, so I think it would have been tough to bring them out there doing the hay. But at some point, we will work on that. Um, great stuff with Mark Scheif. We can't thank him enough. We're coming on today, and uh, what a series he had. We heard from Paul Maurice yesterday saying that, you know, his game in Game 4 was the best game he's seen Mark Scheifele play in a long, long time. And I'll tell you what, that bodes very well for the Winnipeg Jets going into the next round, regardless of who they are going to play. Um, quickly, before we get to our good friend Sean Reynolds, um, got to give a shout-out to Assiniboia Downs. Uh, first week of live racing is in the books um, I whiffed again last night. I do believe Remus did as well. So I still have a bit of a deficit to make up. We'll be back at it on Monday for the next day of live racing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And don't forget the ASD live show that we should be watching, frankly, before we make our picks. Uh, it's at 645, though, each and every day. So tune in, see Kirk, Stretch, Marshall drop you, uh, give you some insight as to what's going on for the evening races and then pray to post and to bet all year long as well as on the weekend with tracks around the world. Go to hpibet.com, but you're going to want to make sure that you favorite your track, Asina Boya. And of course, Breezy Bend Country Club, our great golf sponsor. Looking forward to getting out there very soon, doing some great things on the course and I will tell you right now that um, we've got some good golf news when it comes to Canadians on tour because Adam Hadwin had himself a hell of a first round. He's in third right now, four under 66. Oh, look at that beautiful shot of Breezy. The, the production is just going through the roof now that Michael Remus is figuring all this out. This is my nemesis, the 12th hole. I will I will get you at some point this year. Um, Eric Compton's at five under par and Jordan Spieth hotter than a pistol right now. 
He shoots seven under 63 for the lead at the Charles Schwab Challenge. For more on Breezy Bend, hit him up online at breezybend.ca and thinking about getting on the waiting list for next year. And finally, our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I have a feeling there were some very tired guides on uh, Tuesday morning because um, they're all into the jets out there. Then out in the water, first thing in the AM, there's our pal Austin. You can find out more online at akinslake.com. Uh, but here's some uh, here's some pics from uh, you know one of the best places I've ever been. We're going to get out there at some point this summer. They do have some availability because so many of the American tourists aren't coming up this year. So find out more, akinslake.com, or hit pit up online at Aikens Lake on Twitter. We'll get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on. But right now, let's get back to the guest line and welcome in live from Bell MTS Place in the white. It is our man, Rennie of Kenny and Rennie, the one and only Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. Sean, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Us? Uh, I'm doing very well. I just had a fun chat with Mark Shifley. I think everyone around this city is still sort of buzzing from, um, you know, those overtime wins, the end of the series earlier this week. But honestly, for... Well, listen, for a lot of people that weren't working till four in the morning, they needed a couple days to recover. How are you doing right now? Because I have to say, credit where credit is due. I mean, illegal curve after the game as well. But you and Ken, with the most epic late, late shift of all time, I was out about 3.30 in the morning making brats on my deck, listening to you guys on the on the ute, on the on my iPad. Um, so much excitement and even pushed you guys to uh, probably a record that will listen if it is broken if you guys are on later than 3 30 a.m at any point during this playoff <laughs> run well, well well i'm ready for it here but uh how are you feeling after all that oh great is i think it was 336 we signed off at 336 but we were getting fueled by the, there was so much of the audience that was around and we saw you put out the picture of the hot dogs. That, that was hard because I hadn't eaten in a long time. And so that that looked good. But it was funny. You had to, you were talking about the guys at Aikens Lake. Their account was in chiming in there and, and asking questions on the show. That, that would have been Pitt. He's a, yeah. as big of a Jet fan as anybody. There you go. But, I mean, we're always blown away by, by the number of people who are still willing to get on and talk like that. And then it's nice because you'll notice on your show there's people who are chiming in from thailand and from england and from uh australia and so you've got that kind of stuff happening so that that builds on your audience and people just want to go and go but yeah just absolutely phenomenal i was buzzing i'll tell you i left and i went home both ken and i got home after 4 a.m i've got a cousin who's a massive jets fan uh who grew up here and then moved out to prince george and he called me live during the show and was wondering why i wasn't picking up so i had to talk with him and I was buzzing so much after that game. I, I probably didn't get to sleep till about five thirty in the morning. So uh, yeah, it was. Hey, might as well be on talking hockey with a bunch of people who are still up rather than sitting at home stewing anyway. So no, yeah. Um, and you know, listen. Before we get to it, um, I am at, the, the thing is though, like like all of us, the excitement around this and people finding where we are at right now. All the shows are growing every single day and bringing yeah. more people. So for all the newbies in here, welcome. First of all, um, make sure you get over to Kenny and Rennie, hit that sub button and get ready for the post game coverage as well as tomorrow's show. Um, you got another great lineup for the Friday 9 a.m. program that you'll be doing with uh, the birthday boy, Ken Weep. That's right. <laughs> yeah, forever, forever having birthdays. Yeah. Uh, we got Tim McAuliffe coming on uh, tomorrow and Scott Oak as well. It's funny, Scott, it was, 
He's he's he. I gather he's got a specific game day routine, and there would have been if the series had gone uh, that far. There would have been a game uh, on that day, so we weren't going to be able to have Scott unless the series ended early. So it's another thing that's good about the Jets shutting it down early because then we get to speak with the great Scott Oak, who's always got great stories and digging into him and talking to people across the industry. The one thing I notice about him is like he is uh, the the. You'll see the people behind the scenes, you know, the technical producers, you know, the hardworking people like Remus who don't make it on air the way that Remus does and the sound guys and whatever. They absolutely love Scott Oak. And so you go and you talk to these people trying to gather stories and have conversations uh, with them about, you know, what you're going to talk with him and what your interview is going to look like. And it's just time after time after time you hear these great stories. So we've got some good stuff that we've dug up on Scott that we're going to get to ask him about. And uh, and yeah, just uh, it's it's one of those times you get to kind of brag about one of your own, right? A, a Winnipeg guy like Scott Oak, having him on the show, we expect uh, we expect we got a good one for everyone tomorrow morning. Oh, Scott's the best. So yeah, 9 a.m., make a point of uh, tuning in with the guys tomorrow morning on YouTube, and of course, subscribe. You can get the podcast as well as uh, all of this content is available live for you as well as on demand afterwards. So let's get back to the series, Sean. We spent a lot of time talking about the Jets, how they look going into the playoffs, the huge challenge of going up against Edmonton. And, you know, granted, every one of those games was determined by an absolutely razor-thin margin. But how the heck did they sweep the Edmonton Oilers, Sean Reynolds? There's this line in an old Brad Pitt movie, Legends of the Fall or something like that. Uh, There's a line, he was the rock that people broke themselves against. And that was the Winnipeg Jets in this series, right? Because you don't end up going to three overtimes and come away with victories time and time again or fall back in the series and come back without being, uh, you know, they were a rock in that series. The Edmonton Oilers broke in certain areas when the pressure came. You saw it with that Josh Archibald hit. That's, I mean, it. It's a, this is a guy who's 28 years old. Uh, he should know better, and he didn't. But I think you got to go and you got to give Logan Stanley credit in that moment because earlier in the game, he'd got in their heads. He'd thrown a couple big hits. Guys were going after him. He got under their skin. So I think in that moment, Josh Archibald thinks, we've got the game in hand. There's that guy. He did that earlier in the game. I'd sure like to send a message to him, and you pull a, you know, a ridiculous play that opens the door, and then next thing you know, you lose game three. Um, I just thought that the Jets were a team uh, that didn't make mistakes. And you hear it time and time again, people will say the playoffs or hockey's a game of mistakes. And hockey, as played by the Winnipeg Jets, had very, very few mistakes in that series. So yes, it was close. Yes, Edmonton shot themselves in the foot at a number of times, a number of crucial times during that series. But the Jets didn't, and they capitalized when they had their opportunities. Uh, I thought it was, you know, the, you know, you talk about the leadership, you talk about them coming to play at the right time, all the guys pulling on the rope at the same time, all those things, they ticked all those boxes, and that's why they're going on to the next round. Um, you know, we had, it was interesting talking to uh, Coach Maurice yesterday, and he mentioned that for you know, from his perspective, the game Mark Scheifele played in game number four was one of the best he's played in – a, a, a long, long time was the coach's uh, was the coach's quote. Um, the challenge for that line, especially early in the series when Maurice didn't have the last change and Andrew Kopp wasn't even playing with Adam Lowry. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how they raised their level of game, um, especially in the defensive zone, and really matched the challenge of McDavid and Dreisaitl head on. And um, 
came out with some pretty darn good results, especially compared to what happened in the regular season. Yeah, I don't think you could have asked for more out of that line. I mean, if if someone would have told you, you know, before that series that that series was going to hinge on Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler being able to shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle defensively, I think everyone would have thought that they were going to be in trouble, right? But it's this whole idea of the buy-in, what playoff hockey was going to look like, all the thing that all the things that Paul Maurice was saying down the stretch of what the Winnipeg Jets were going to need to do, the style of game, the buy-in they would need to have in order to succeed in the playoffs. We saw that from them. But what was the interesting thing down the stretch was that the Winnipeg Jets weren't scoring. Uh, and they had a couple games where they broke out. They had that game against, uh, uh, I think they won 5 nothing against the Vancouver Canucks. They had a 4 nothing win over Calgary. But other than that, they were having a hard time getting that offense going. So it almost made more sense that they could be, a, you know, they could focus on defense and try and win the series that way, which they did in the first two games. But I, I agree with Paul Maurice. You know, I don't discount what uh, Mark Scheifele did in the first couple of games, but I agree in, in that what they did was they were able to switch that mindset from going to a defensive area to being like, okay, now we're not matched up against those guys and we're going to go out and we're going to win the game back with the offense that looked like it had dried up, that looked like we had had a hard time generating it. They were able to find that at the right time. It just, the the thing that you have to be confident about if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan and if you're a Winnipeg Jets player and if you're a Winnipeg Jets coach is that when they needed to flick all those individual switches, they did it in that series. We need to be defensive. Flick the switch, they were defensive. We need to go out there and we need to, to uh, start scoring some goals. Flick the switch, they did that. We need some depth contributions. Flick the switch. Even in the games where Connor Hellebuck in games three and four started getting scored on, at the right time of those games, he closed the door. He closed the door at the right time to give his team an opportunity to get back into those games, to score their way back into those games, and then didn't let anything after that allowing the Jets to go on and win those games. So I I just thought it was a great on-demand performance by every player on that team at the right time. And that's the, you know, that's the old saying, you know, that those are the teams that know how to win. The Jets clearly were a team that knew how to win in that series. Yeah, it was interesting listening to Ken Holland yesterday and a lot of the media coming out of Edmonton post-series about, you know, speaking about the experience. And these are things that, you know, really are overlooked often when we're talking about, um, you know, lineups in the regular season. But it did seem like, you know, what the Jets had been through in the past did help them significantly in the most important times in that series. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's the thing. You go back to that 2018 year where, like I said, I've had conversations with, uh, I won't name the player, but the year afterwards, I had an NHL player who was in the middle of, of a hard-fought seven-game series stop me in the building I was in down in the States knowing that I was from Winnipeg and came over and wanted to talk with me and said to me, I have never been more certain in my life that a team was winning the Stanley Cup than the Winnipeg Jets were that year in 2018. So, I mean, everyone thought very, very highly of that team. I do think they were a team that, you know, lack of of experience caught up with them. They had a young team. It caught up with them. And I think that we've seen a lot of the decisions that Paul Maurice has made this year have been based on not wanting uh, wanting to use the veteran element of his team. And I think that it's showing up at this point now. Everyone thought that the 2018 playoffs was the beginning of something for the Winnipeg Jets. Then 2019 didn't go the way as planned. 
the defense gets gutted and hollowed out. And then so 2020 doesn't go as planned. But it doesn't mean that those lessons that were learned in 2018 or even 2019 and 2020 aren't things that can't be taken and used going forward. And I just thought, uh, to your point, when you take a look at how the Winnipeg Jets played in that series and how the Edmonton Oilers played in that series, we talked about the mistakes that were made, the shooting themselves in the foot uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. The Jets didn't do that because they've been down this road before and they know if you do that, uh, those are the things that cost you. Uh, So they played the right way. Uh, They didn't increase their risk profile to a point that they turned around and got scored on quite a bit when they were down in games. It was just, they looked like an experienced team. Uh, and, and that's why it's good to be that. It sucks being that team who should have gone somewhere and loses out, but it's good if you can take it and turn it into something better. And it looks like the jets are, you know, at least in that series did exactly that. You know, I, I wanted to talk about some of the unsung heroes, but you did a pretty good job of laying out how this was, you know, a top to bottom team effort. But, you know, with all the consternation about the blue line, especially on Josh Morrissey's season, which at times was, you know, included some significant struggles. For Morrissey to raise his game the way he played, I mean, what was there a bigger contribution on the blue line than Morrissey and what he was able to do, along with Dylan DeMello, the hand of God? I mean, a lot of people wondered when we were going to see that pairing. Maurice put that pairing together late in the season and... Certainly, it produced some pretty significant benefits for the team, but also for Josh Morrissey, who, for my money, played the best that he has at any point this season. Yeah, you know, and, and that I've always thought that that pairing had potential. I go back to the the bubble last year, and when they brought everyone back at the end of the summer, they put Dylan DeMello and Josh Morrissey together during the short training camp. And I remember they had them going up against, and that was, if you remember, there had been that conversation between Blake Wheeler and uh, Josh Morrissey about Blake Wheeler wanted Josh to go at him as hard as he possibly could. That's how we get better. We go at each other as hard as we, we can. Well, Dylan DeMello and, and Josh Morrissey were so good at zone denials at that time in that camp when Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor went up against them, they couldn't get in the zone. They just could not get in the zone. And it was happening all practice one, one game. And I watched the next practice to see what was happening. And then I noticed the following practice, Paul Maurice wouldn't match those guys up against that top line anymore. Cause I think he was worried that they were going to hurt their confidence. They were so good. Now, it didn't necessarily materialize. There was a bunch of problems that happened with the Jets last year. But I saw in that moment two guys who could be really, really, really good together. And then we go this entire season with them basically not playing together. And I think we learn after the fact that it was about, you know, bringing certain guys into the lineup and having really established, very good players on all three pairings. I don't think there was for a second that Paul Maurice ever thought that Dylan DeMello was a third pairing talent guy. I think it was always going to land here, just like we were always going to land on Wheeler, Connor, and Shifley going into the playoffs. It's what he felt he needed to do to make his team better coming into the season. I think that's shown in how the third pairing has gone on their own. But back to the point that I know I've gone way round out, uh, done, I've gone roundabout to get to this point. But I, I agree with Paul Maurice that what we're seeing from Josh Morrissey, who came into the league and they thought was going to be a def- or an offensive guy, who became a, a defensive guy who never quite kind of got there offensively we're starting to see that he can have an ability to ability to affect the game on every aspect he can be a shutdown guy he can be a defensive guy he can be a puck mover he can score big goals at the right moment uh and boy you can't imagine 
a guy having been as good in that series at shutting down those top guys, but then scoring the goal that he did to tie that game in game three, his reaction, I loved it. It wasn't an overly surprised reaction. It was a really calm, cool reaction. Like I expected to get this done. And I just think, boy, oh boy, he's taken his game to another level. And it's going to be interesting to see how it affects this Jets team going forward, not just the rest of these playoffs, but for years to come. Well, I, you know, agreed. And I thought Neil Pionk, you know, just continued his stellar play. You know, he, he, carries a big load um and I thought forward at times struggled a little bit but you know Pionk really kind of keeps that pairing together we saw what he did on the OT winner such a smart player but for all the consternation about the Jet blue line I can't imagine a third pairing coming together and performing better than Pullman and Stanley did and they obviously you know resonated with the coach Sean because in some of the games we saw some way bigger minutes for the third pairing that we had in the regular season and these were in razor tight Playoff yeah. games. Thoughts on yeah. Pullman returning to the lineup, looking like playoff Pullman from the bubble, and Big Stan continuing to uh, write an incredible story for his rookie season. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, uh, Paul Maurice, today talking about Tucker Pullman and saying that I don't think he's playing above his head. Or I, uh, we look at him and we don't think that he's having this amazing uh, amazing playoff series. And he said, I don't say that as an insult. I say it to say that what you're seeing from Tucker Pullman right now is exactly what we think he can play like all the time. It's not a level that we think he's kind of playing above himself and is going to tail off. This is what Tucker Pullman looks like when he gets playing his game and playing it right. And you mentioned Logan Stanley. I mean, uh, who, expected this to happen if you take a look at this at the beginning of the year there was a lot of conversations not coming from Ken Weeb he'll say it all the time Ken Weeb had a lot of hope and a lot of faith in Logan Stanley but I think there's a lot of people out there who'd lost faith in Logan Stanley didn't expect him to be a, a player or a contender for the Winnipeg Jets this year a lot of people were writing off his career and here we are at the end of a shortened season with him coming into the playoffs I go back to that play against Josh Archibald it that play happens because Logan Stanley got in the Edmonton Oilers' head. He used his size, he used his toughness, and his ability to get in their heads and create that play. And that's amazing to have a rookie who has the other team thinking about him, worrying about him, going out of their way to address him. He's bringing something to the lineup. And and so that that pairing... Uh, I got to say, to your point, the faith that he showed in them was stood to, out to me in stark contrast to the lack of, the, of faith that the Oilers showed in a lot of their players. What Darnell Nurse did was absolutely amazing, oh. uh, no doubt about it. But he's forced into that situation because they don't have the faith to go deep into their bench uh, the, the way that the Winnipeg Jets were able to do. Um, and for that fact, I thought, I mean, even if they don't win in that game four, you can't can't like how the Oilers' chances were shaping up in that series the way they were overusing their guys. This is a Jets team that has been balanced, that is confident in itself up and down the lineup. And when you've got confidence in the guy next to you that he's going to take care of his stuff, you don't feel like you have to go out on the ice and do too much. You play your role, and that's what the Jets are doing. They all know their role. Nikolai Ehlers said it today. They're all playing their role. And that's what you hear really good, successful playoff teams do. You know, Sean, and just on Stanley, one of the things that we talked about, you know, we really got to see him play regularly in the NHL was, you know, his um, persistence on shooting the puck uh, from the point. And I mean, you know, when he lets her rip, I mean, he has a heater that's right up there with some of the best. Um, But he also understands the benefits of 
putting a muffin on there into yeah. you know some areas that you know might create rebounds. Um, it was a heater that ended up being the winning goal, and I think maybe there were some signs we could take from game number one. When Tucker Pullman ties the game up, and when Logan Stanley blasts a shot that's tipped in by Dominic Toninato playing, what, his third game as a Winnipeg yeah. Jet? Yeah. Um, that tells you that, you know, some of the guys that maybe were thought as liabilities could turn into being strengths for the team. And I think that third pairing particularly was throughout those four games against Edmonton. Well, that third pairing, Dominic Toninato, is, I mean, I'm guilty of thinking that he was going to come and spend a year as a Winnipeg Jet without ever playing a game as a Winnipeg Jet. And yet he comes in through and 54, puts his comfort... Through 54, you were yeah. looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he comes in, he puts his thumbprint on the series. Uh, and, and hey, give the, give the fourth line credit too. And I think Matthew Perot, we all feel as a guy who's, you know, at the very least a third line player who finds himself in a fourth line player role so I don't think we're overly surprised when he gets stuff done on that fourth line Trevor Lewis we were all impressed with him when he came in uh during the training camp on his tryout contract and and uh uh we thought he'd come in there but uh I mean there there's a lot of you know the Jets draft so well everyone wants to see the next thing and so with a guy like David Gustafson waiting in the wings I think there's a, there was a lot of frustration out there we both know that in for, with a lot of Jets fans of a guy like Thompson coming in here. He is, he plays the season. He allows them to balance the team's minutes throughout the year, builds this level of confidence in his penalty killing ability. They went so long without getting scored on five on five. So he's handling his business, chewing up minutes at the end of games in the regular season where you would never typically employ your fourth line. And here he goes out and he gets two points in that first game as well. Just contributions up and down the lineup. And and you don't get that unless players feel like they've got a piece of this. They, th- th- that's what the Jets have done, and that's what they've created. Is It's not just, it's not like years past where you needed it to get done by guys like Lion A or Shifley or Wheeler, and if those guys didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. Every single guy on this lineup from the fourth line to the third pairings and even to the backup goaltender if uh, god forbid a situation ever required that Connor Hellebuck couldn't go you know that you'd have Lauren Brassois come in and he would take a massive piece of this and you can tell that the Jets players would feel confident in him coming in so that credit that to the coaches credit that, that to the players they are sharing the burden sharing the load here and that's when you get guys feeling like they can do big things even if you're a Dominic Toninato only playing your third game with this team. Sportsnet and Kenny and Rennie, Sean Reynolds with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Sean, I want to ask you about this Leafs-Habs series. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it. it you know, I, I get part of it is the lack of fans because it would be an entirely different story if these buildings were full. But man, as that series seemed sort of dull compared to yeah. some of the ones we're seeing south of the border. Um, what have you thought about the first four? And do you think Montreal can uh, live to fight another night after this evening? Yeah, I, I think they can. I honestly don't expect them to. Um, I, I, th- I think that the, the Canadians, I think, are a really capable team. And I think when things, they put it together, they, they, they can do real well. And I think we saw that last year when they knocked off Pittsburgh. And I think we saw it when they gave, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers a lot more than they could handle. Um, but the Flyers go forward in that series. I thought the, the Canadians were the better team in that series. They just couldn't score. And that seems to me always to be the issue with this team. I've never seen the team more in need of a superstar 
than the Montreal Canadiens. And that would apply to the Montreal Canadiens all the way back to like what the 1980s, maybe. I mean, like the last superstar that they would have had who could, you know, really score goals in bunches is probably, you know, Stefan Riche. Kovalev was there, but it's an older version of Kovalev. You just go to this team, and I, I think what I see in them time and time again is the lack of belief in their scoring just creates a scenario by which I, I, I just they, they strike me as an, uh, an unconfident, unconfident team at times. And what I've seen against them, against this Toronto Maple Leafs team throughout the year, is a team that the Leafs, they can keep it close, but the Leafs always have that extra gear they can put it in that the Canadians can't. I expect the Leafs to be motivated. I don't think they want the Jets sitting around getting too much rest. I think they want as much rest as they can can get. So I expect them to be motivated. I think that series ends tonight. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it has seemed like a bit of a no-hitter when we've looked around and you're even seeing series. I mean, geez, I looked at that Vegas-Minnesota Wild game last <laughs> night and man, is that a heated series. And then you're talking about non-traditional markets like Nashville and Carolina and those games are looking just like firecracker a game so you're right that one series especially this you know all-time NHL rivalry that they haven't met in the playoffs since the (laughs) 70s for it to end up like this it really has been anticlimactic you can blame it on the fans if you want but I don't think you can get away with that because what we saw in this building without fans was absolutely electric so I'm not going to give them the excuse it, to me, it's a, so far in this series, it seems like it's a bit of a no-show for the Montreal Canadiens. Hey, Cynthia Betancourt, thank you very much. We see your super chat. That is so nice of you. She says, cheers to all the chat. Thank you, Winnipeg Sports Talk, for giving us this place every day to chat about Winnipeg sports and more. We are Winnipeg. Love it, Cynthia. Thank you very much. It's great to have you here as well as everyone else hanging out with myself and Sean Reynolds. Make sure you pop into Kenny and Rennie tomorrow and post games. Um, quickly, you mentioned Vegas Wild. Um, I, I've been saying this for the last, I don't know, couple months, that if people have not been watching the Minnesota Wild this year, yeah. their eyes are going to be open big time when we see this club back in the Central Next Division year. this year. With oh, Kirill Kaprasov, the brightest young star in the league, at least as far as rookies come into this year. Um, you know, we knew you looked at it. Like, if you're paying attention, I mean, it came right down to the final week of the season as to who would be one, two, and three. And I think there was a real advantage in finishing first because you missed the Minnesota Wild in round one. And now here the Vegas Golden Knights are two opportunities to finish them off. It hasn't happened yet. What do you think is going to go down on Friday in Sin City? Uh, well, I mean, even even paying attention, like you said, I had the exact same thought as you had, Huss, and Usually in a year, especially when I'm when I'm doing my broadcasting duties with Hockey Night in Canada, I've got a list of games that I'm going to be doing. So I try and watch as much of those teams as I can throughout the year. So I've got the NHL package, and uh, in my house, it's hockey every night. I'll try and watch like three games a night is what I'll usually do. That fell off this year because I really dove into the North Division, and I, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of kind of like ignoring what happened south of the border. And Minnesota is one of those stories. The two big surprises for me compared to what I thought was going to happen was Minnesota and Florida. And so I had to spend some time kind of digging into those teams and saying what happened, what turned around here, because I had that exact same thought as you had, Huss. Boy, if they continue this, what are the Jets going to be walking into next year when they head into the Central Division and have to play this team? Are they for real? Uh, That game last night, they were absolutely for real. Um, I, I have to stick with my picks because I hate changing my picks. I picked I picked uh, um, Vegas to win that series 
Same as with Nashville and, and Carolina. I picked Carolina to win this series. I've been getting, you know, you talked about the chat room. I love how our chat room is, is willing to give it to us when they think we got things wrong. And we do. We get stuff wrong all the time. That's that what this business is about. I want to proudly say that if Vegas wins and if um, Carolina wins, I will have correctly picked the winner in every single first-round series except the one I get paid to cover, and that's the Winnipeg Jets because I had the Oilers winning in six. But other than that, I'm doing a pretty good job here as long as those two teams pull it off. I uh, my perfect my perfect streak was ended last night. I don't know why I bet against Barry Trotz in the first round. I mean, like, yeah. do have we not learned? I mean, I, I think learned this that is lesson last seven year. or I... eight straight years of at least winning in round one, regardless of yeah. whether they're the favorite, whether they're the underdog. Um, he, he and that team is such a great story. And you want to talk about atmosphere, Sean. Um, it was an earlier game last night. I don't know if you were busy, but that was absolute bedlam. I don't think yeah. 9,000 fans could be louder and have more of an impact on a game than the loonies that were on Long Island in the Coliseum last night. And then to see the scenes after the game on the streets, um, you know, kind of tough to watch, honestly, for some people around here with what yeah. we're going through right now. But at least... Um, it's great for the league. It's great for those people to be able to participate the way they are right now and uh, hopefully gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what's to come down the road for us once we get through this tough uh, tough spell. Yeah, it's good to see hockey back on Long Island just because, uh, you know, that, that organization had some rough stuff going on for a number of years uh, and you were starting to wonder if there was potential for, you know, you can have a really, really good hockey base, but if your team is so bad that generations miss out on you, you can lose the love for hockey in certain markets. And I was worried that was going to happen in Long Island, so it's nice to see that they're back like that. But to come back to Winnipeg, I mean, this is something that I think, holy smokes, if we get to a stage where this team plays long enough that you can get fans back into the building, I just got to say, sitting in here right where I'm sitting right now and hearing the horns honking, and honking and honking and all night and before the game. I mean, this is, you know, this is Jets fans are just waiting to tear off the shirt and have the super fan logo and come piling back into this building. It is going to be something when it happens. I can't wait for it to happen. I hope for the Jets fans sake that it happens that they get a chance to express what they're feeling right now because they're doing such a phenomenal job and a creative job of doing just that. They deserve it. They're, you know, we've been around, we've traveled. They're some of the best fans in hockey. Uh, and I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm a Winnipegger and see what Winnipeg f- hockey fans are doing to try and reach the players in this building. Uh, and boy, oh boy, that'll be a great day when they, when they can get back. Hey, back to the chat. Nasheen Everett, thank you, Nasheen. That is so sweet of you dropping in the super chat. And I'm not sure whether that's a hippo on wheels or what, but uh, that's a pretty cool emoji you dropped in there for us. Thank you very much for the support. Speaking of the chat, many people have brought up the infamous Corey who, of course, is the uh, cameraman friend of Sean's that came on before the series cutting WWE-style promos about a four-game Oilers sweep. Uh, Have we we checked on Corey? How's he doing right now? Uh, There's a lot of concern in Winnipeg for his well-being considering the way this series went. (laughs) So I checked on Corey yesterday, and I noticed from watching your show and watching the Illegal Curve Boys that Corey had bled into the other shows. Oh, yeah. Now, to, to your point, 
that is exactly what we were trying to do. Like I, we want to, we want to play, we want to try different things. Right. And so I thought, I know Corey and Corey is the kind of guy who plays a really good heel. <laughs> and, uh, and I work with Corey. And, and so he was talking to me and he, he fell on, he, he stumbled upon our show and liked our show and liked hanging around and liked talking. So I thought of the idea of exactly what you're talking about, using him as a wrestling style heel to come in and kind of rile fans up. And then he would be kind of the, the he, and, and he'd said he was totally fine with it, being the punching bag that when things didn't go well for the Oilers, that fans could kind of beat up on, right? And so the, the issue with it was, one of the things we love about our show, as you do with yours, is we want the fans to drive our show. Our perfect show is question after question after question coming from the fans wanting to know what they want to know and then us addressing that. That's the perfect show. So a a good engaged audience is driving the show, asking questions, bringing up topics. That's what we talk about. The wrestling heel thing with Corey was so successful (laughs) that it was all the chat room could talk about. And everyone was on him and on him. And and while that was great, it kind of meant that we weren't talking about hockey anymore and and the sideshow is becoming the show. The other part of that is some people handle that really well. Some people don't handle it as well. Some people get a little negative, a little nasty, and take <laughs> you it don't too say far on the internet. Yeah, exactly, really? <laughs> exactly. And we want we want our chat room to be a safe space where people feel comfortable and people feel from all stripes and all backgrounds and all genders and everything feel that they can come and say things. And and we felt that it was bleeding into not just that, but it was getting into you know some other nasty areas that were tough so i had asked Corey to take a break from the chat room and step away because exactly (laughs) because we needed to bring things down so so Corey stayed away at my request i explained that to the audience that i had taken him away i think some people were mad about it and if they want to be mad they should be mad at me Corey, when it was all said and done wrote me a note that i read on air to say congratulations to all the jets fans and how much fun he'd had. Corey's a good guy. It was a classy move on his part. He was playing a character, and it worked, <laughs> right? It worked. It just worked so good that it started to kind of be the, the you know, it, it took away from the hockey talk. And so uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it's well, something we wanted to kind of peel the curtain back on. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I assumed that was the case. And it was fun and certainly got people going. And just from this, I'm just looking at one page on our chat. Corey is in witness protection. Corey, <laughs> Corey sad. Corey was fun. Corey is a Jets fan now. Like it, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Sean, before we go, um, I've got to ask you. I mean, you're uh, in the know, and I know we won't have any details, but let me just ask you this: If the Leafs win tonight and end this series, when do you think uh, Game One will start? Do you have any idea or what what the options are? Or what are what are we looking at here? Take all this with a grain of salt yeah. because I'm mm-hmm. hearing this from more important people than me. But my understanding is that the series would start on Sunday if the uh, Leafs were to close it out tonight. That's not that's not set in stone or anything yeah, like no, that. No, for from sure. what I'm mm-hmm. hearing, that's that's what I expect. Yeah, I think it would be a bit quick to turn it around and you know have the Leafs play again on Saturday. And if you're right. missing the Saturday Hockey Night in Canada game, you do it on Sunday, and then you go Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and you get game four Saturday night when exactly. you want to have the Leafs in. 
Exactly. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you either way, you're going to get a game four rather than rush to get game four. So, excuse me. Either way, you're going to get a Saturday night rather than rush to get it out of the gate. You'll do it for game four, which is always to me the most important game of the series anyway. Hey, you know what? Just on the way out, I was going to talk about this with Remus, but you were covering the, um, the, 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 the series. And I wanted to bring this up today because he put his statement out after we finished on the show yesterday. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the internet and people kind of going, yeah. you know, off kilter on this. Um, what happened to Ethan Bear after the game? Uh, I think it's important for all of us to kind of mention how disgraceful that is for some yeah. people to go that way. And um, I have to give him uh, so much credit for having the courage and the conviction to stand up, make the statement on video that he did yesterday that was put out by the Oilers. And I think hopefully there will be some real good that can come out of it, out of this. But I, I know you've spoken on this, uh, Sean, and um, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, what team you're playing on, absolutely no place for that in um, I- anywhere, um, but especially, you know, something that's supposed to bring us together like hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, you know, you mentioned our show that, that we do on the Friday mornings. One of the things that Ken and I have tried to do on that show is is have these conversations. So we've had Harn Ryan sing on where he, you know, and asked him about, because Harn Ryan talks about how hockey brought him into the Canadian fold and made him feel like he belonged. But there's still clearly things about hockey and reactions like the, the one that you saw there that, keep people apart right and, and and so we had kevin weeks on and had the conversations about you know the hockey diversity alliance one of the things ken and i are trying to do is have these conversations to get them out there and to show how important they are and i think you bring it up now i i admire the hell out of it huss and i think it's important that we do that at all time that we bring this up and we show that none of us are accepting of this this is this is not okay even bear made a a, a big mistake and I can understand how Oilers fans are frustrated as a hockey team but going in that direction is is unacceptable none of us want that in the game none of us want to hear that um, I covered Gene Principe on the local Oilers beat last year for a bit and I was on the mother's trip and I spent time talking with uh, Ethan Bear's mom what an awesome lady who is insanely proud of her son you should see the way that that woman looks at her son, the pride that she has in her eyes. And when I heard that, I just thought for a second of what it must be like for her to have to watch her son to go through that. And I think anyone who's got a mother, we all do, uh, and anyone who's who, or who is a mother, just think for a second what it's like to have to have to see someone like that, see their son go through something like that unacceptable none of us are okay with it it's bs get it out of the game take that crap somewhere else well no a hundred percent no don't take it anywhere else stop it and yeah exactly you you know what i'm saying and that's why i think it's all important for us to speak up in the mediums that we have and and draw draw attention to it and listen i i'm with you on what that would do to a mother um and i think that would be the same for any person that has a close family member but what what's even more reprehensible about this is that you know, it take like listen. There's tons of defensemen that make garbage plays, that make dumb plays, that cost their team. Um, but to isolate somebody because of their heritage or the yeah. way they look is the most reprehensible thing about it. And I mean, yeah, you know, the mothers and the family members. There's indigenous hockey fans everywhere that hear this stuff and 
feel that they don't belong. And anyways, I, I, we're on the same page here, but um, it's something, it's far reaching. And that's why I think when someone like Ethan Bear has the courage to stand up, draw attention to what is happening, and then, um, you know, others will, you know, like many of us did, you know, I stand with Ethan Bear. These yeah. are the sort of things I think that will get us going forward. So, um, you know, as disgusting as it was that it happened, it's important that it is out there that we know that it's there and that I think we call on hockey fans of every race, creed, color to come together against that sort of thing because that is what's going to keep this sport and really our community um, stuck where we are right now and not moving forward together. Well, you had said it, Huss, with uh, you know comments like that that make people feel like they don't belong. We need to, in our response to comments like that, make the people who are making those comments feel like they don't belong because that doesn't belong in sports. It doesn't belong. Uh, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't belong anywhere, but th- this is, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I'm glad you're having this conversation with me. I'm glad I'm getting to talk with you about it. Cause I think it's incumbent upon us as voices in the game to make it clear through our voices that that does that, that kind of attitude, those kind of comments do not belong here. You are in the wrong place. Get out of here with that stuff. Do not bring that here. And listen, while you're at it, next time you talk to Harn Ryan, let him know how uh, much Jet fans enjoyed uh, the series and his calls. Uh, and uh, I talked with Harn Ryan just out the door here. I, I love ca- catching up with Harn Ryan. He's a great guy. And the, as soon as I saw you do your call, your invitation <laughs> of his call, which was awesome, I loved it. I sent it to him right away. We are constantly texting each other back and forth. And I got that and I sent it to him right away because here's a guy who has like wanted to do justice. When we had him on our show, he wore the aviator blue turban on our show. (laughs) He came on. He loves talking jets. He loves getting into it. And uh, I remember he took, there was a game that he called and he took a lot of slack online. I think Dylan Dubay scored a game winner in a, a regular season game earlier on. And he did that call, that singing call, because he's got a background in singing. And Jets fans took offense to it. And they were like, they were like, oh, would he get that excited if a Jets scored? Well, I think he's put that to bed. <laughs> and he said to me, I've been waiting for a chance to do that for a Jets call because I want to show Jets fans what it sounds like for me to, you know, make that call. And the Paul Stassi call was just awesome. That that readiness in his voice, it was great stuff. I was glad he got that opportunity. I'm glad the audience got an opportunity to hear him do his thing when it came to the Winnipeg Jets. Rennie, great stuff, man. Always love having you on the program. Looking forward to 9 a.m. tomorrow when uh, you and Kenny fire up again. Uh, Scott Oak tomorrow, Tim McAuliffe. Yeah. And um, yeah. then, uh, of course, remind people after the game where they'll find you in the same spot when and uh, what you guys will be up to if they haven't enjoyed the show yet. Yeah, well, we are usually on, we go on Instagram 45 minutes before the show and Ken and I do just a little pregame thing. Same thing, if you want to hop on there and ask questions, that's what we're there for. We're there to interact with you. And then post-game, we go on my Twitter account, uh, Ken's Twitter account, uh, or our YouTube channel, Kenny and Rennie, uh, to broadcast. Uh, you know, Usually an hour will go longer sometimes, uh, post-game show, where again, you come on if you have any questions about the game or any, uh, you know, uh, comments that you want to make we're there for that and we're going to try and sneak in i think a, a series a second round series preview uh again like we did before before the playoffs here so we've got some stuff coming we'll try and let people know uh through our twitter accounts where we're going to show up Rennie, great stuff looking forward to tomorrow morning thanks for doing this pal 
Anytime, Huss. Thanks for having me, bud. Great stuff. There he is, Sean Reynolds. Uh, you should be following him already at SN Sean Reynolds. Great stuff. Um, hey, Stonewall Dave's in on the super chat. It's important for this talk to happen in all fan bases throughout the sport. Thanks, Huss and Sean. Thank you, Stonewall Dave. Saw a couple great comments from you on this. And uh, yeah, no, listen, I mean, that was something that I definitely wanted to get out. I figured Sean was a perfect guy to talk about it today because um, this is something that, you know, we, we can't have happen. And listen, I know some people will take cheap shots at, oh, look at those Oiler fans. I hate to say it, folks, but there's people like that in every fan base. Um, you know, we've unfortunately had a few people pop in saying some pretty distasteful things very occasionally, but it has happened in our chat. Um, so, you know, listen, let's uh, let's be better. Let's do it together and uh, let's enjoy these games, regardless of who you're cheering for. Um, keep clean, keep it smart and keep it respectful. Um, great stuff with Sean Reynolds. Looking forward to the show tomorrow. Let's get Remus back in here. Um, Remo, quite a whirlwind for the last hour or so. Great stuff with Sean. And um, of course, um, really fun chat with Mark Shifley earlier on today. Yeah, a lot, lot going on. And I just want to say one thing more on the Ethan uh, Bear topic. Please do. Tweeting at any player or their family <laughs> who performs poorly. And tagging them. And tagging them. And pro- on, you know, if they're doing bad for your fantasy team or they're on your favorite team and they make a mistake and tweeting at them, that's BS. Uh, don't, don't do that. That's, that's extremely uh, not cool. And then on top of that, adding in uh, racist remarks, that's double. So uh, pretty gross. And uh, props to Ethan Bear. For standing up and all his teammates, of course, um, back him. I think it's a conversation that needs to be had because you see it all the time. Someone makes a mistake, and um, you know he'll be getting you know hate hate tweets, and there's no room for that. Was, you gotta understand, it. it's all you know. It's a game. We're having fun. Obviously, people are you know there is money involved in, but you don't need to you don't need yeah. to pile on and uh, <laughs> tweeting at them and tagging them, it's, especially when they do it. To, I remember wasn't it James Reimer's wife. Or someone's like wife. April, is getting, yes, it's, <laughs> yeah, it gets gross <laughs> out there. So I, I had to, like, I had to point that out as well. No, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did because first and foremost, the racism in this was disgusting, and that's something that is not unique to hockey or society. It's out there, and it's important for us to stand up and call it out. But to your point, the guy that at tweets players angry after a bad game, losing a bet. Uh, a bad night in fantasy or something is honestly probably the lowest of the low. And yes, uh, when it comes to the, when it comes to sports fans, and if there is ever a moment to check yourself, um, it's that moment where you're like, I can't be, uh, you know, at so and so. Like, come on, be better, yeah. folks. Just uh, you know, that's time to just take a chill pill, turn the phone off, and uh, maybe move on to something else. Oh, Notorious KFC says, what if Keenan Allen tells you live on TV to put him in your lineup, then ends up only playing two plays? Can you tag him? Yeah, you can. That's borderline. That's borderline. Well, and who was, I... the other, who was the other player who put on their Instagram that like, gave the finger to, to fantasy players? Um, there was a player, he put it on his story. I forget who it was, and like gave the finger to them. Yeah, then you can tweet at them. I think that is, that is a lot. You can respl- a, reply. If, the Keenan Allen, the the Keenan Allen was unbelievable because I got sucked in by that as well. But that being said, as mad as I was, I did not at tweet no. Keenan Allen. <laughs> I think you can say that it's a BS thing, but yeah, I didn't tweet it. But that was, I mean, showing disrespect to uh, fantasy players who draw so much interest. I don't think a lot of people understand. Understand, but again, you don't. You don't. If a guy performs poorly for your favorite team or your fantasy team, 
no reason to go at them, or especially their family. It's it's <laughs> gross, and and we've seen that uh, you know seen that in the past too. We, you know, kicker miss a field goal or something, and uh, they're getting death threats or whatever. It's, it's gross. Um, you know, I uh, I'm looking at the uh, the chat seem pretty good today, but uh, I see uh, JB Brown's the latest recipient of the WST timeout. <laughs> Yeah, he he said some stuff that sh- sh- you don't need to uh, don't need to write. So he's it's yeah, a timeout, JB. It's a timeout. You're welcome t- back, but just you know, maybe remember what we've just been talking about: being respectful, being smart. All are welcome here. Let's just keep it clean and uh, have fun together. It's here been pre- it's been pretty good. Here. I do gotta, I do have to be honest. So I've been kind of keeping track of who's been active and who's chatting because we are going to be doing a uh, marble race for a little brown jug. Oh yeah, uh, gift card coming up. And if you don't win the gift card, there is a contest ongoing right on our Instagram <laughs> where we're getting a lot of great responses, actually. Yeah. So on our Instagram page, I mean, I can pull it up uh, in a sec, but on our Instagram page, um, go to the post, uh, like it, you know, con- you know, like it, follow us, follow Little Brown Jug, comment, and uh, the comment, so the, the caption is, what was your favorite moment of the jet sweep over the Oilers? And we're getting a, a ver- the best part is we're getting so many different things. Um, <laughs> so com- plenty of options. Co- it was comment, that great. <laughs> yeah, comment your favorite thing and then tag a friend too. So we're, we'll put all those people who enter into a draw, uh, you know, tomorrow at the end of the show. But I mean, you could make a top ten of just moments of the series. Um, the Connor, I'll, I'll I'll list off ten right now. The Connor OT winner. Um, Blake Wheeler getting taking one of the balls. Um, That's number two of your time. Let's go with order. the best moments of the scene. Number two, yeah. the captain taking a heater <laughs> so, in the nuts. Mark Shifley's tying goal in game four. <laughs> that, uh, the, for me, is right up there. The, that, that goal is just incredible. DeMello, hand of God save. Um, <laughs> the Staz, I mean, this because Stasny OT winner, uh, the Ehlers OT winner, Tonanato go-ahead goal. Um, Miller Time's got a great one. Smith head on knees after the KFC scores. And my old buddy, the Z-Man, said, has anyone brought up the fact that he had the Grant Fewer on his mask? So when he went down in desolation after losing, put his head down, and all you could see was the Grant Fewer thing on his head. And Z-Man said, if you were around from the 80s, that singular moment, sweeping yep. the Oilers and having the fewer thing, exercised the demons of Jets 1.0 against the Oilers in one shot from Kyle yeah. Connor. I mean, even now, we bring it up in chat so many. Uh, well, a lot of people did comment Maurice's quad fist pumps, Morrissey's tying yes. goal, um, the pro power play goal. I like. I also like the Wheeler goal. Um, I mean, there's so many. So many good ones. Biggest, on you know what? Biggest goal of the entire series might have been, and again, this is kind of a stretch considering all the OT. But how about Tucker Pullman in Game yeah. One mm-hmm. for like you know Jets? A good first period, very tough first ten minutes of the second period. Fall down one nothing, and I think many people thought, oh man, here we go. And to, within a couple minutes to get right back, even not be chasing the game because of Pullman. And I got to tell you, one of my favorites was the. Dominic Toninato tip off Logan Stanley for the winner in game number one as well. So you're yeah. right. There are plenty of options for you to drop in and our Instagram contest with Little Brown Jug I'll, at Sports Talk WPG on IG. And they're not even like Jets moments. Like everyone's saying Archibald penalty. We're all remembering that. On, <laughs> Justin F, the handshake. Yeah, the, I'm down with that and, too. And uh, 
the camera showing Connor McDavid's reaction every time the Jets scored. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one, too. So a lot of people are having fun with that. And, you know, maybe I will make the official top 10 for tomorrow once I go through all of them. A lot of people are saying Wheeler's balls of steel. That was someone commented that. So. <laughs> oh, it's it's going to be remembered. Shifley. I mean, Mark, he, I had to ask Shifley about that. And if you're just if you popped in late, we did have Mark Shifley on earlier. Make sure you download the podcast or watch the YouTube replay a little earlier um, to catch Mark Shifley, who joined us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk today. All right, before we get to our first Little Brown Jug online gift certificate giveaway. And Remus is going to get that ready for all you in the chat. Um, Let's get to the Cool Bet lines today for Cool Bet Canada. We have two games tonight in the National Hockey League. The Leafs are up 3-1 on the Canadians. They can end the Habs season and book a date with the Winnipeg Jets in round number two. um, Leafs, huge favorites tonight, minus 233. Canadians plus 204 on the money line. And if you do like the Leafs to win by two, you can get plus money, plus 113 on the spread, minus a goal and a half. The over-under is is five and a half, and minus 128 on the under, plus 114 on the over. And then... Coming up, oh, and they've done a great job of timing these games. I'm just noticing right now. 6 o'clock for Canadians Leafs, and then 8.30 for the Hurricanes and Predators. See, Winnipeg's not the only team that has to have some of those late starts. Nashville's getting it too, being these central teams. Preds, plus 123 at home, dog, to extend the series. Carolina, minus 141, two end the series tonight and Carolina if you do like the puck line almost two to one plus 195 on that again over under of five and a half and just so you know we'll update this line tomorrow Vegas tomorrow game seven that's going to start at 8 p.m. Winnipeg time the Golden Knights minus 159 on the money line and Minnesota plus 141 in a winner takes all game seven winner of that game will uh, take on the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup favorites right now who are chilling after knocking out the St. Louis Blues in four quick games. Um, you think either of these series extend after tonight, Reem, or are you on the Leafs and Carolina Hurricanes, the two favorites? Yeah, it seems like um, it seems like it's going... Sorry, I'm, I'll bring myself in. It seems like uh, it's going to be done here. As much as I, I mean, want, I, I'm Montreal here for a win. game seven. I'm here for a game seven between Nashville and the Carolina Hurricanes, if it in fact does go that way. Um, but I, I am quite heavily invested in playoff pools in the Canes, so I would be more than happy if they got it done this evening. Um, and and I'll tell you what, now that we know that Tampa's coming out of that, um, uh, you know, they've already won their series. You know, as much as we are all fired up and have been talking about for a couple months about a potential Vegas. Avalanche series, um, right there with it is Tampa Bay going up against Carolina. It, despite how great Florida was this season, I don't know. In my opinion, we've sort of been, you know, we've been running towards a matchup, a head-on collision between Carolina and Tampa. And uh, if Carolina can get it done tonight, that's exactly what we're going to get. And I'm not sure whether Vegas is even going to make it to the round two. 
So that could be the marquee matchup. Although, to be honest with you, if Minnesota is able to come back from 3-1 down and beat Vegas and take on the Avalanche, that should be right there as well. That being said, Reem, um, that'll all be secondary for everybody around here because all eyes are going to be on who will be Kings of the North after the Winnipeg Jets take on the winner of Montreal and Toronto. Yeah, we're just watching uh, that series. So uh, we will see. How it goes, we are watching the Montreal-Toronto tonight. I know a lot of Montreal fans being very upset uh, that Romanov not in. We had Caulfield watch for the first two games. And then I always like when they don't put in a player. And then when he comes in, he's like on the second line. He's one of their best forwards. That's always uh, it's always good. Rob Mahoney in chat. Balls of steel going to replace the golden boy at the legislature. I'm not sure exactly how how you would properly memorialize that moment in statue form, but uh, certainly, oh, certainly man. he can uh, <laughs> he deserves that sort of recognition. Oh, he statues as someone if they can put together four, uh, 12 more wins, I'll tell you that much. But a long ways to go before we're starting to talk about that. Jets will worry about getting one in game one of the series. And that was the same interesting uh, scuttlebutt from Rennie Ream about the potential start of this series. Of course, if the Leafs do not win tonight and the Habs win, you know they'll go to a game six on Saturday with a potential game seven on Monday but if this series does wrap up tonight, we won't have to wait very long, probably just a couple more days before a potential Sunday night game one in Toronto between Winnipeg and the Leafs. Yeah, it seems like Sunday is going to be going to be it. We had speculated that yesterday, you know, you get the Sunday night, um, you know, the Sunday night, whatever they call their Sunday night game. What is it? Hometown hockey? Is that what it's called? They still call it that? Uh, I think so. I mean, hockey, they get, listen, it's playoffs. Yeah. There's hockey on every night. But Saturday's the big night. They'll get it for game four if they don't get it for game one. All right. Um, we've uh, got the cool bet lines in. We've had a great show with Shifley and with Sean Reynolds. Only one way to finish this up, and that is with another world-famous Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Today, our Brewing partners, Little Brown Jug, have been kind enough to uh, drop us off a couple of GCs for their online store. As Remus laid out, go to our Instagram page right now at Sports Talk WPG. <clears throat> You'll see the post with the delicious 1919 cans. Follow the instructions. We'll be collecting winners from that to go into a race on Friday at the end of the show for our second GC. But, uh, Remus, you've been collecting names of active chatters throughout the program, and uh, fill us in. Uh, do we have a new course today? What, uh, what 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 do we have coming up in this incredible battle for the jug, if it, as it were? Yeah, so I have put in. I got sixty three names in here. Um, they're all wow. big see, race today. They're all in big here, race so. today. People, whoever was chatting throughout the show, um, I made sure to add and them. And not being uh, a jerk. <laughs> and not being a jerk, yeah. If you were chatting and, and being cool and adding to the community here, you, you're you in. So um, we will see who's in. I think Taylor wants to be in, but she, she already won. So I didn't put her in, but maybe we could put her in to participate. But I've already put it together. So if you do want to get in um, on tomorrow's race... Get in Friday's on our race. Instagram. Or wait, what day is today? Is today Thursday? Yeah, it's 
I have no Thursday. idea what day yeah, it is. Yeah, It's just a game day or a non-game day right now, basically, and it's yeah. not a game day for a couple days, so we'll just keep on doing the show. But yes, tomorrow, Instagram contest. We'll do another one for it, but uh, now we've had a great show. Only one way to end it off, Remo, and uh, that is with the CTO dropping 63 of our Chatters Marbles in and seeing who is going to be the lucky recipient of the Little Brown Jug gift certificate for their online store. You check it out at littlebrownjug.ca. Oh, I'm getting some serious uh, issues on my computer here. Uh, Ooh. It's really affecting the stream. Yeah, I'm not sure. So now, hopefully, is that, is it, how's it working is, for everyone out there? I mean, There's some I'm serious uh, slowdown on, on my YouTube end. The YouTube looks fine, but we just ha- I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the uh, the marbles yet. Okay, I haven't brought it on. I haven't brought brought it on. So, but whatever, we'll see how it works. Wait, I picked a, I got to pick a new track. I hate this track that I just picked. It's lame. Okay, excellent. Uh, you guys, I just realized just you guys can't see what I've been, what I've been doing. <laughs> Kenny's water bottle. People gambling for beer. Well, they're not technically gambling because there's no there's no wager to pop in. It is more a fun contest for beer. And again, if you're not a drinker but you win, you can get um, you know a hat, a hoodie, t-shirt. They've got some great merchandise at the Little Brown Jug online store as well. So even if you don't partake in the 1919s or the Summer Lager or the Hefeweizen, they've still got some great stuff for you. Really, really nice merchandise over at Little Brown Jug. Um, what uh, what's the, what's the latest CTO? How are we looking? Yeah, I I added in all these like animated stuff, so it's kind of screwing up. Screwing up what I got going on here. Um, I'm I'm like worried about it about it working, but I mean we can give it a shot. I might screw up though. Well, you know what? I'm if it nervous. screws up, if it screws up, we'll do another one uh, later tomorrow, or we'll figure out another way to do it. But um, you know we've got the names mm-hmm. in, we've got the marbles ready, we've got the track selected, and I will tell you everything that I'm looking at, like watching the YouTube stream on my other on my other monitor has actually looked quite good. So maybe, just maybe, Winnipeg Jets 280, LBJ is the best. Yeah, it is uh, It is most. Um, yeah. Corey Dangit, Corey, when is Mark coming? Ever an 18 plus. Uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know what? I'll bring that hat. I got a haircut, so I figured I'd, you know, just not wear a hat for a few days after wearing it every single day for like eight months throughout the uh, throughout the pandemic. But uh, but yes, uh, yeah, Dangit's Corey Shifley was already on with us about a half, half hour, maybe about an hour ago or so. When we're done, just go back to the replay. Uh, he comes in, I think around 1.30 or so, about a half an hour into the program. And then some great stuff with Sean Reynolds as well uh, a little bit later on. Um, again, tonight, as uh, we just mentioned, two games, both elimination games. Habs facing a 3-1 deficit against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That game gets going at 6 o'clock. And then it's the Canes looking to end the run of the Predators at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, 8.30 tonight. So nice little double header of some great playoff hockey. And we are guaranteed a Game 7 tomorrow with the Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. It'll be interesting to see if either of these series continue and whether we have hockey on Saturday night um, or we're just looking ahead to the uh, Round 2 of the playoffs. What's the update, Reem? Yeah, I I got it up here. I got it up here. We're gold. I just have to uh, pick a track. Beautiful. And then, we're good. and then we're good. I got all the names. All right, uh, folks. So, again, so if you're just surprised. popping in right now, Remus is setting up a new track. We've got 63 chatters in the race. 
whoever finishes first will be sending them a uh, a little gift card for Little Brown Jug with their brand new online store, or revamped, I should say, at littlebrownjug.ca. And again, you can go check right. it out. You can order their great beers, and they will deliver it to them straight to you. All right, look at this. A very interesting track we have for today's race, Remus. 63, uh, why don't you count it down and start us off? All right, I'm hitting start, and there they. I guess it just started. Oh, geez, they're all they're all off. They're all off. Here we so go. All right, we'll do a little commentary that, that we're in. Stonewall Dave, I see, is down on the lower level know. right away. There's Cynthia Betancourt. Cynthia was in the uh, super chat today. She may have some good marble She's, karma as yeah. we go through. Uh, they're making their way through to oh, the first shoot. So who's in? Rail guy 420. Stonewall Dave, Cynthia Betancourt are our top three right now. We're going to the split. Rail guy going on the left. Cynthia Peppermint Patty on the right. Stonewall Dave very close in shape. Rail guy, this is a this is a wild course we've got here, Remus. The marbles are absolutely flying. Now, how many do we have? Any uh, any people that have gone uh, gone out? Cynthia Betancourt is still. Listen, if Cynthia wins today, the karma of the Super Chat, Stephen Drager's in there. This is a pack. I mean, we have 63 marbles. It is literally oh. anyone's game. Through the loop-de-loop, Mike Wynn is there. Mike Wynn is in first place. The Windog, veteran of Section 316. Shout out to the 316 folks from Bell oh. MTS Place. Remus is in there. Lost a bunch. Charm is out. Oh, Liquor okay, beaver, this Nicole. is where... Jet Oil Tom is out. You got to keep it in. Cynthia is going to. Cynthia's still in right She's now. She in. is in first place. We've got. Oh, and Remus is coming up. <laughs> There's Remo trying to push for it. We've got Bart. Bart Omond. Al Broderick. Al's out. Al fell over. Steven Drager is staying in. Oh, no. James Robinson. Kenny's water bottle. Cynthia Betancourt is still in. Oh, oh Cynthia. Cynthia goes off the rails as well. Staying in. Michael Remus right now. Evan P. Mike Wynn. This is going to come right down. Oh, things oh, have slowed down. Things have slowed down. This could be. Oh. Could be. Is it going to be Remus? Is it going to be Winnipeg Jets 280? I won. Who is it? <laughs> Remus wins. I won. Re- I won. <laughs> Remus wins. This is amazing. So Winnipeg Jets <laughs> oh 280. God. That's we, crazy. We, we always put ourselves in this just because it's fun to have a marble in. But Remus yeah. ineligible to win. Um, the contest rules mean that you yeah, know not- you have to you have to be here. So Winnipeg Jets 280, who had already tweeted LBJ is the best. We've got some good news for you, my friend. You are our winner. So Winnipeg yeah. Jets 280. Narrowly beating out Mike Wynn, Kenny's water bottle, Al Electric, Jeff Kabilis was in there. There it is. How about that? <laughs> we just do it for fun, so we, uh, we're in. But I'm not eligible to win the prize. But I won the race, but Winnipeg Jets 280. He's going to get the prize. Yes, to use Everyone's a Assiniboia uh, to, to, to Downs uh, vernacular, uh, Remus won. Uh, Winnipeg Jets 280 placed, and Mike Wynn was the show horse. But because Remus, uh, we've gone in. Remus has been DQ'd. Drug tests came back yeah, negative, I mean, uh, came back positive. He's tested positive. He's out. So 
The winner of today's GC is Winnipeg Jets 280. Big thanks to Dustin and the gang over at Little Brown Jug for uh, giving us some fun stuff to give away on the program. And again, we'll finish off the show tomorrow uh, after Friday's event with another marble race. And the way you get in on that is go to our Instagram at Sports Talk WPG. Make sure you're following us, follow the instructions, tag a friend, and uh, we'll do it all over again. Yes, nicely done. <laughs> nicely. Oh, there's a little round jug shouting out the other gang. I still can't believe, Remus, you know, you have a uh, you have a gift that somehow on something you have absolutely no control over for, you came up big. And, um, you know, there's a lot of glory in winning the marble race, even if you aren't the recipient of those delicious 1919s. Yeah, that's... Um... Hold on, I have to refresh uh, either. You might um, want to go yeah, with that... the Hefeweizen. Maybe you drop the summer lager in there. Get the variety pack, or uh, or anyone that's seen those uh, the uh, hats or the merch. Um, some beautiful stuff. You can uh, rep little brown jug around the city if you'd like as well. That is so much fun. Honestly, you know we've had such a great show. Shifley was amazing. Sean Reynolds was good. The chat's been popping. We've had great numbers all day. But honestly, Reem, there is almost nothing I love more than finishing off with the marble race and uh, hooking up one of our listeners, especially someone like Jets280 who's in here every single day. Pretty uh, pretty stellar mm-hmm. crew of marbles in that race today on WST. Yeah, Notorious KFC. Definitely. No, no, Notorious KFC. Does Remus get another trophy? Yeah, maybe no. maybe that's the whole deal. You can put it back there beside the home run derby winner of the marble race on Thursday, May twenty seventh, <laughs> memorialized forever. Even if no. Winnipeg Jets two eighty is getting the gift cert. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun to bring up next, uh, tomorrow's race. Um, but uh, yeah, total. Everyone says rig, total fluke. It's all <laughs> randomized. So uh, that's just how how it worked out. I I don't know. Hey, you got the glory of the W, and uh, Winnipeg Jets 280 is getting the glory of the ability to go on and uh, grab something nice off the Little Brown Jug online store. Um, great show today, folks. Thanks to everyone that's been joining us. This has been just such a fun week. Uh, again, if you haven't already and you're in, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Do us a favor, hit that like button on the way out. That's the thumbs up. And when you're subscribing, hit the bell. You'll get a little notification on your phone. The boys are going live on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Although, if you want to just put in a reminder, Monday to Friday, 1 p.m., we are live here on YouTube, and we'll get the podcast out mid-afternoon, usually in and around 3.30 for your drive home. Do us a favor. Tell a friend. Spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We are growing every day, and uh, we can't do it without all of you. And, of course, our sponsors, Little Brown Jug, who we just did the fun marble race. We've got another one coming for a GC at the end of tomorrow's show. Assiniboy Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Cool Bet Canada, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports. Don't forget Yeti Golf, uh, Yeti Jets mugs. You get that free car flag right now and white jerseys, 750 Pemina Highway. And the OGs, my man, Trevor Knott and Knott Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Uh, remote doubleheader tonight and then back at it after a wild week. Part of the reason why I have no idea what day it is is that we went through an alleged long weekend. We did shows on Sunday and on Monday, and it sort of has like a Friday feel, sort of has a Saturday feel. Bottom line is, right now is what we're going through. Every day sort of feels the same, unless we're talking about the Jets playing that night. We're going to have to wait a few days for that. 
Yeah, and someone was asking if we're going to do uh, weekend shows for the playoffs. Um, I guess we'll announce it. Stay tuned. You know, hit follow us, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you don't miss. Follow us on all the social medias, and we will keep you posted, uh, you know, when all that stuff uh, goes down, that's for sure. Definitely taking a day off on Saturday. TBD, potentially, maybe we do something, maybe a little shorter on Sunday to get you set up for the game, uh, if, in fact, they are playing on Sunday. Yeah. But we'll worry about that tomorrow because... First things first, we got to figure out who the Jets are playing and when those games will be. Maybe we'll know tomorrow, depending on what happens between the Leafs and the Habs tonight. Folks, have a great night. Continue resting up, recovering from the first round. We'll get back at it for round two very soon, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow, 1 o'clock on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.